Hello and good morning and welcome back to another very special and exciting episode of Riddles in the Dark brought to you by the Mythgard Institute. This is one of our, our classics, our, our mainstay episodes where we spend three hours talking about three minutes of footage. That's right, <laughs> it is The Hobbit, the battle of the five, the armies, the official, the main, the trailer. <laughs> And we're going to go through it with a fine-tooth comb and look at each and every individual pixel and analyze it and speculate wildly. Uh, and, and, and in particular, try to twi each of us will attempt to twist every little clue that we see in favor of the predictions we made during the Rills game. So let's get, let's get right to it. I'm your co-host, <laughs> Dave Kale, and with me as always are the Tolkien professor, Corey Olson, and Trish Lambert. Good morning, you two. Good morning. Good morning. Are you ready for some trailer action? It's, it's Absolutely. been too long since, we, since we've done this exercise. It is. It is. And I have to say, you know, I will say at the beginning, and we'll see if I still think this by the end. Um, my first impression of this trailer in general terms is that I is that it's pretty good. And when I say pretty good, I don't mean, of course, like that I think it like shows that the film is going to be pretty good. I mean the trailer yeah. itself as a work of art unto it on, on its own. This seemed to me a much better trailer than the first trailer, which was really chaotic and didn't make any sense. Um, this, is, this, of course, has been generally been the pattern. Yeah, trailers. well, the, last year's trailers were generally good. I mean, I loved the Desolation of Smaug trailers. I mean, that, that, those were my favorite trailers. They were better. I thought they were better than the Unexpected Journey trailers. I loved the main trailer for the Desolation of Smaug, despite the fact that it turned out to be wildly misleading in several ways. But um, nevertheless, it was a really good trailer. And uh, and given the very, very low quality of promotional materials we've gotten so far for this third film between the yeah. bad trailer and the and the ludicrously bad uh, tapestry thing. Um, I was glad to see a trailer which wasn't awful. So um, I hope I will still think it's not awful after we. Maybe that's look what at makes it. this trailer look so good. Is in rel relation to you know what's come before. Yeah, I hope movie. it's not just that my standards have dropped. Uh, but it's, of course, that's always we can't rule that out. Okay, so um, so. What, I'm, I'm going to do what we've done uh, before in the past because most of the time, um, since I'm going to be going backwards and forwards and stuff, and it garbles the audio and everything, I, I'm going to do we're going to do one time through with the audio, and then I'm going to turn off the audio on the trailer. We'll be primarily looking at the visuals, and we can refer back to the audio if we need to. Um, but uh, but I will start off with doing uh, one run through with the audio so that we can get the whole picture, refresh our memories, uh, for the, for the trailer. And then, uh, and then we'll go back and talk about it from the beginning. All right. Sounds good. Thorin, you gave a promise. brought upon them only ruin and death. You've won the mountain, is that not enough? Now, we defend it. I came to reclaim something of mine. Last move in a master plan. A plan long in the making. 
These bats are bred for one purpose. For more. Leave Sauron to me. Bilbo is right. You cannot see what you have become. Everything I did, I did for them. You started this. You will forgive me if I finish it. When faced with death, what can anyone do? Intense. All right. Okay. Okay. So now. All right. So that's a black. Back to the beginning. Where would you guys want to start? The trailer was awesome for an action movie, Hobbit optional. <laughs> well, <laughs> see, <laughs> now, Gerald, come on now. Seriously. <clears throat> That's true even in the book. You know, you yeah. got you to gotta keep in mind. I mean, it's, it's, e- it's so easy to go all like, oh, here's Peter Jackson making an action film. And of course he is. And it's in many ways a legitimate criticism. But it happens in the book. It's people's criticism of the book as well. Is that all of a sudden, remember, you know, in C.S. Lewis's, uh, you know, comments on, on The Hobbit, he talked about this, that all of a sudden, you know, this sort of, this, this, this epic battle breaks out and we're, we're suddenly, we suddenly find ourselves in a Norse saga, you know, Hobbit optional. <laughs> like that's, 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 it's been part of the feature of the Hobbit story. Um, and so in that sense, you know, the idea that this whole thing culminates in a, you know, in, in an epic battle sequence, that's, that's, you know, that's what happens. Uh, so anyway, you know, the, I, 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 I agree. Like, I mean, there's certainly, you know, obviously, there's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of new stuff. The scope of it is very different. That is the way you know, like the, all the business about like the master plan and everything, which I can't wait to talk about, is not in the book because Tolkien himself didn't have a master plan at that time. <laughs> but um, but I I absolutely cannot see faulting Jackson for uh, you know making it into a battle film because that's what happens in the book. Anyway, sorry. Okay, I'm good. <laughs> are you okay are you breathing i'm fine okay. i'm fine i'm okay. fine um <laughs> uh, uh but uh okay all right so let's start at the beginning so starting at the beginning we go th- we get Sorry. first of all one thing i think is kind of interesting already is that we get 
this this scene, which is at the beginning right. and the end, this landscape, which is at the beginning and the end, is the burning of Lake Town, right? You know, we've got a, a night, a cloudy night sky with a with a with a glow of of flames and like sparks flying up, um, which, in retrospect, uh, is very reminiscent of that shot that we got back in the Unexpected Journey um, when the dwarves were singing their song. You'll remember, and we were getting the uh, sparks flying up into the night sky from Bilbo's fireplace. That yep. was, you know, the shot that we got of Bilbo like sitting upstairs and listening while the dwarves were downstairs singing, and um, uh, and that's I wasn't thinking forward to that i was not anticipating that there was going to be a connection i mean the 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 sparks flying into the air seemed of course to recall um the the burning of dale right i mean he was singing they were singing about the dragon coming and the dragon's um destruct you know the destruction wrought by the dragon interesting to me that they that, you know that now we're getting that destruction you know the, the the way in which they're emphasizing the destruction of lake town as as in that sense almost like a, a kind of a recapitulation of what came before um which also of course seems to be bard's emphasis but i also uh in a uh, very mundane thing is they gave us all three logos at once, so they yes. saved us some time. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We don't have to waste any Thank time goodness. on, the, on, on the, the other logos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I do yeah, think I just waste my time with one at a time. You know, I know. I know. Them in and out. I don't right. need any of that. The fact that we have the this view as a framing mechanism is interesting to me, though, because. Uh, that is, I mean, a framing mechanism of the trailer that it's at both the beginning and the end, um, because I, to me that seems suggestive. Because of course the destruction of Lake Town and the death of Smaug, like that's obviously a major feature of this film. I mean, it's got to be on everybody's top five list of you know things they would look forward to in this movie. But at the same time, um, it's only it's going to happen at the very beginning, possibly the opening scene, and that and then it's and then that's done so by placing this scene which i again which i'm assuming maybe i'm wrong but i'm assuming this is you know the sky over lake town burning um if that's true then the 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 idea of taking that motif not just as a as the place to begin but um but as the uh as the place where it ends too seems to me to kind of make that kind of sort of that the destruction by the dragon as as kind of a motif for the whole thing it, it you know I, I don't know i mean i think it, it it potentially sort of works um one of the one of my questions for it and i'm thinking th- works in terms of of sort of the larger theme of of dragon sickness and it, it makes me this has been one of my questions all along is how exactly are they going to depict um the battle, you know, how are they going to contextualize the battle? Is it going to, uh, you know, I mean, how, 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 how much, you know, a question of mine all along has been how, how are they going to handle Thorin's dragon sickness and how are, how are they going to set up us up as an audience to respond? Is it going to be just Thorin's fault completely? Are we going to, you know, just 
you know, the, the book does, I, I think, a pretty good job of showing us how there's, it's primarily Thorin's fault, but there's fault on both sides. And, and, and we're kind of alongside Bilbo, just sort of looking at this and saying, why is this happening? This doesn't need to happen. Um, and, and sort of cheering for Bilbo as he is attempting, unsuccessfully, to try to prevent it from happening. And then, of course, the larger and more tragic battle um, with the attack of the goblins comes in. Um, and just sort of exactly how the film is going to be trying to recruit our sympathies, you know, and, and our own responses to the battle um, is something I've been interested in. And again, to me, this framing mechanism of the, 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 the fire in the sky seems to me sort of potentially suggestive, especially when combined with the way that the battle scenes are depicted in this trailer, that was to me, you know, we'll talk about this more as we go through, but to me, one of the things I find most striking about this is the overall tone and atmosphere of the battle scenes in this trailer, um, which I was surprised by, but, um, but anyway, we'll, 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 we'll come back to that. Only on Riddles in the Dark, we're analyzing the logo. <laughs> it's, it's not the... I'm looking through the logos, man. Like, the, the big golden lion could be not there, for all I care. Uh, yeah, <laughs> what's interesting right. is what's behind them. <laughs> okay. All right. You got to spend at least five minutes on the logos. Okay, so we start our first, our second, I should say, visual image. And we image. have seen this before. Didn't we see this in the teaser trailer, this... this bit of scene with Thor down below and the hobbits up above. Did we? Well, we've got like this, we've got like the the dwarf peanut gallery up here looking down on Thorin. Taunting, throwing things to Thorin. (laughs) Yeah, right. This is also also yet another shot demonstrating the impossibly large amount of gold stored within the, the Lonely Mountain. Yes, yes. Yes. Now we don't really know where exactly the floor is meant to be underneath, <laughs> underneath all of this, but yes, yes, we have, we have our by now, uh, uh, you know, the 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 absurd pile of gold that we're now accustomed to. And for all we know, there's just like a thin layer of gold on top, and then the rest underneath is rocks. Yeah, they're gonna be they're gonna be so disappointed when they start, <laughs> and they're like, "All right, we got this treasure," and they start digging in. They're like, "Wait, what's this?" Oh man, there's only like a little bit of gold on top. <laughs> that's the garbage. Oh boy, that's right. Oh, the the, the oh, styrofoam underneath. Yeah, the 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 scandal. You know, Thor was just fronting this whole time. You know. Yeah. Oh man. Um, okay, so I'm assuming that what's happening here is Thorin's looking for the Arkenstone. Does that seem right. safe yeah. to say that he's looking for the Arkenstone here? It's um, probably like that's what he'd be doing down there. And probably stomping around and like cursing and complaining. Well, and that to me is what like, I find that. I mean, I'm sort of making jokes about the peanut gallery up here, but you know, that's really interesting. In fact, like unless this is just Thorin pacing around brooding, and they're like, let's let Thorin be by himself here for a minute. Um, but if he's like. I'm hunting for the Arkenstone, and they're all standing up here like, dude, you knock yourself out. Like, ho- we hope you find it. We're just going to sit here and, like, spectate, you know. Um, that's um, uh, that's interesting. 
to me, you know, because they're, I mean, if, if they're not joining, it, it, this, this, visually, this image suggests a distance already between Thorin and the rest of the dwarves. You know, we have the other yeah, dwarves standing right. here shoulder to shoulder and him off on his own. They're looking, their faces are looking down towards him, but he's not looking towards them. Um, so whether or not, you know, it's, he's actually looking for the Arkenstone, it seems like, you know, we're getting a glimpse here of Thorin being separated from everybody else. And, uh, you know, and maybe even them looking down disapprovingly. Maybe he doesn't even know they're there. Who knows? But um, uh, but that, to me, is a striking image. So, so we start this trailer with a view of Thorin and Thorin's separation. That's the note that they choose to begin on. You know, not, 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 not triumph, you know, not glory, but... Um, but yeah, yeah. Um, by the way, this is just a, just a, I had never even thought of this, uh, uh, until, until Luke asked it and it's totally unrelated to the important stuff we're talking about, but how do all the, the torches stay lit? (laughs) (laughs) Now that Smaug's gone, especially. But, but even before that, I guess apparently this was like Smaug's job. <laughs> Smaug could just, yeah, he could just light them himself, you know, just a little. He's, yeah. He's, well, he could light them, but that doesn't mean he can give them fuel uh, that's true. Uh, to burn. That's true. Um, but also, like, man, that's just a lot of work to go all around. That's and, no uh, fun. You guys are no fun. I mean, you know, it's like you have to be a little comic booky here, by which I mean you have to kind of, sus- I mean, you definitely have to consciously suspend. Yeah. Well, yeah. disbelief in that area. Though here's here's the other thing there that I would say is that one of the things that's clearly going. I mean, obviously, this is another one of the fundamental issues with doing a visual um, uh, uh, translation, right? With doing an adaptation to vi- to to a, vi- a visual medium, is that you can't do darkness. I mean, you know, one of the yeah, features, of course, true. of the inside of the mountain is that it's pitch dark when there aren't torches. You know, Thorne should actually be wearing a miner's headlamp, right? <laughs> or something. Or they should all be carrying torches or something. But right. but even that, I mean, even a torch, even a person carrying a torch in the middle of a of a of a of a of a jet black room doesn't look good on film unless you're trying to do, you know, like a horror movie in waiting for things to jump out of the darkness. I mean, you just can't, you can't. So, I mean, this is, this has been true forever, right? I mean, you know, there's like certain kinds of light that you put on to suggest darkness or to suggest moonlight or something. And it's always way, way brighter than it would be in, 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 you know, in real life. Um, so to me, it's actually kind of interesting that the way that they, the, what they've chosen to do um, I mean, even if you look at this picture, this greenish light, which has been so characteristic of the shots of Inside the Mountain, um, seems to be like the on-screen version of Shadow and Darkness. Don't you think? Yes. I mean, that's that what we see true. back here. I mean, presumably there's not actually a light source back here. It's just shadowy and dark. But they're, yeah. you know, they want it to appear on the screen. So they... Um, yeah, that's true. You you can't really show Shadow unless you actually have some light to contrast it. Otherwise, it's just dark and you can't see anything. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I mean, it's, it's hey. So so Kim reminded me. Um, we actually we've seen a larger picture at Comic Con, um, I believe, of of the the dwarves of the Peanut Gallery, and it's actually the Lake Town dwarves. Plus Bilbo. Plus Bilbo. Okay. So so they've um, come back, and Bilbo is like, oh, "Here, I'll bring you to Thorin." Is that seemed to be the context? Yes. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I'm I'm trying to decide. I wonder what's going on here exactly. I wonder if this is. Like that—that's an open question. Of course, when do they return? Pre-siege, post-siege, 
has to be has to be somewhere in the middle at the beginning or of or in the middle of the siege. It has to be post dragon attack. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so this yes. maybe this is Thorin brooding over what to do with Bard's demands. Right, or to maybe sort of planning like the the uh, defense of the, you know, the the initial defense of the mountain, the the. Um, yeah. you know, the construction of the gate and everything that they're going to do. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay, so those are, I mean, with the five, it makes sense that it would be the four Lake Town Dwarves plus Bilbo. Bilbo, looks yeah. like Bilbo there on the end. You can even see in this picture that looks like Bilbo. He's shorter than the rest of them, and it looks like his blue coat there. Yep. Um, uh, so... Okay, but see, even that's interesting, though. You know, the idea of Bilbo leading them in to, and just Bilbo standing with those four dwarves, looking down on, uh, on on Thorin, is a, is is still to me a a, a really interesting, uh, um, a a really interesting concept. But anyway, back to the darkness thing. I really like their choice of the green light, the the stuff with the green light. I don't think we do see torches lit everywhere. I mean, there are torches here because this is where Thorin is walking around looking. What they're burning in them, I don't know. Presumably the dwarves lit them. Um, But we're not seeing, like, torches all along the walls and stuff up here. But again, what we are seeing is unrealistic ambient light that you always see in movies. Um, But I, 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 again, I like the fact that they have this green-tinted shadowy light for the inside of the of the mountain you'll remember that's like one of the things that i really liked about that one panel that i thought was good in the in the um tapestry thing yep um yep i i think it i think it really works and suggests the you know the kind of disease i mean the whole inside of the mountain looks moldy you know it's and i think that's that's cool somebody mentioned it earlier and i can't remember who it was but thornus shakespearean tragic hero i think is you know, really a good context for this. Yeah, yeah, that was Tim. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I yeah. agree. I mean, it, it is, you know, <clears throat> in which case, if he has that kind of a shape, you know, that is, if his story has sort of the shape of a of a of a Shakespearean tragic hero, um, you know, then uh, it would seem that the moment of his entering into, you know, because of course, the, and by the shape, I mean, you know, like the arc. You know, n- normally a, a Shakespearean hero has a kind of parabola, right? You know, where they they rise up in the first uh, act and you know reach their high point by about act 3 and then they 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 you know they turn and come down um pretty sh- and then plummet pretty fast uh at the end and uh and it, I would put that I mean if if that's the case I would put the turning point right at the entrance into Erebor um cuz it it does seem to be after that right. that that he really <laughs> is uh is sort of going downhill um right but uh anyway okay so we're panning around. I'm just, I'm just looking at the pan here, which I think is interesting. N- notice Thorin's motion. He's turning his head away from the dwarves. Even it's not just that he's looking down. He's turning, look, turning to the right. Um, the motion of the camera brings Thorin closer to the other dwarves, right in our line of vision. But he's walking and turning away. I don't know. I think it's interesting. Okay, so then we get Bilbo telling Thorin that he gave his word. Right, referring to one of the few good scenes from the extended edition, right when uh, he vouches for Thorin and says, "If Thorin uh, Oakenshield gives his word, then he will keep it." And so here he's reminding him, "We've got a dwarf in plate mail in the background, so we can tell that this is 
pretty far along, right? That is true. I was kind of I was sort of wondering if this was referring to the contract and sort of the I get to choose, you know, one thirteen. Oh, interesting. Maybe. Treasure. Oh. But I think I think it's I think you're right. I think it's more like, hey, you guys help us out and let us into the mountain, uh, or help us get into the mountain. We'll you know make sure that that the uh, you know trickle down trickle down economics in the region. Everyone right. will get uh, you know a rising tide will float all boats. You all get rich. I think, <laughs> right. I think you're right. I think it's probably that the the contract reference is like that would that that seems like that would be less likely to st- well I guess I don't know <laughs> what what's a more obscure back reference something to like the very beginning of a of the first movie of the trilogy from like several years ago where he didn't you know like the contract is sort of metaphorically his word. Or a reference to a scene in the extended edition, which the majority of people coming in the movie haven't seen. Right. Right. Uh, yes, it's true. Those don't really seem to be great options that he's left himself there. But, um, uh, but I, I mean, I, I, it, clearly as far as what's the bigger deal, I mean, even in the book, the idea that... Uh, um, I mean, Bilbo sort of comically has kept the letter, which is, of course, not a formal contract, but just a letter uh, in his mm-hmm. pocket, right? And whips it out when he's talking to Bard and the Elven King. Um, but uh, but there's no real question of, like, you know, Bilbo wanting to keep them to their word as far as his contract is concerned. However, of course, he is much more concerned about what seems to him and seems most likely actually to be shady dealing um, by Thorin during the negotiations with Bard. Um, and, you know, him expecting Thorin to, uh, uh, to recognize the justice of Bard's claims. I love the visual image of Bilbo here with the fire on one side and the, the daylight on the other side, right? They're clearly at, they're clearly near the front gate, right? You've got the daylight coming in, uh, from the right hand side. And uh, so you've got the, the one side of his face in, in the daylight and the other, in, you know, so you've got like the daylight outside the mountain, right, with the white daylight. And then you've got like the darkness and the, 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 the f- flaming light giving him this like, you know, really like, you know, uh, dark and ominous view on the on the other side, on the left side of, you know, the viewer's left side of his face. Um, I think that 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 division uh, is really is really suggestive visually. I really like that touch. Yeah, <clears throat> that seems to be a motif. Yeah, yeah. We were looking at that in one of the other trailers too. Um, yeah, I think that's I I, I I think that that's a really cool effect. And then, you know, of course, as always with like the juxtaposition of scenes in a trailer, it makes it look as if Bilbo says you gave your word, and then this is like the expression that Thorin gives in response. But of course, the two could be separated by forty-five minutes of footage right. <laughs> in the film. So, um, you know, as far as far as we can tell, but nevertheless, so we can't we we can't assume that this actually is Thorin's facial expression in response to what Bilbo says, but it is the facial expression that the people making the trailer have chosen to give us in response to. So when we think about the story that the trailer is telling, that's still, this is still the, uh, the response to, uh, to, to Bilbo's words. So remembering the caveat, um, this is a, this is a, a remarkable kind of blank affect that, that, uh, that Thorin has here. Um, we don't. We're not seeing Thorin angry. 
you know, there's not like a glint of madness in his eyes. You know, there's not, this is not Thorin um, necessarily feeling guilty, I think. It's just uh, blank. Pensive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's. Catch all. Yeah, it's I I and I I this is this is to me a fascinating I mean there's not much to talk about here but that's what's to me so interesting. You know, we don't see him angry, we don't see him confident, we don't see him um you know, he's just he's just flat. Um uh he looks like emotionally dead more than anything and I think that that's really that's really fascinating. Um, uh, Tom makes a great point. Tom Hillman makes a great point that the lighting on Thorin doesn't seem to match that on Bilbo. This, of course, could suggest that it's in a completely different part of the movie. But more importantly, even if it's not, again, the visual effect of the trailer is we have Thorin's face notice entirely in daylight. I mean, of course, he's not facing it, so it's not 100. But but we don't have the firelight on the one side and the daylight in the other like we did with Bilbo. Um, so it's Thorin's, you know, uh, Thorin's face, which is lit up um you know can we can we can we take this as a kind of you know glimpse at or you know reference to his eventual redemption you know that we see him looking at least haunted in this in this in this moment right you know he's not uh he's not he's not angry he's not unrepentant he's not you know anyway i i think it's um you know, Sandra says uh, uh, he thinks uh, she thinks he looks stunned, as if confronted with the truth that he'd refused to acknowledge. Um, yeah, numb says Kim Wehrmeister. Yeah, um, yeah, but but again, not just like I'm so crazy, I am beyond the like reach of your words entirely. Um, and again, the lighting I think is is interesting, especially juxtaposed. And again, we'll see. May, that might be just a just an effect of the trailer. Um, in which case, if it is, that would move this into Desolation of Smaug trailer category, uh, where in many ways I thought the composition of the trailer was better than the composition of the film. But anyway. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, I do, you know, uh, uh, Timothy, I do think that this is daylight. Uh, do you guys think this is daylight? I mean, I think that's just by the color. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, it I'm seems assuming, like it is. I'm yeah. assuming it's daylight. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, Sandra has been pointing out how much more subtle the depiction of the madness of Thorin is, uh, appears to be here than the depiction of the madness of Denethor. Um, and I completely agree. I uh, agree with that. Yeah. yeah, me too. Yeah. The clumsiness of, uh, you learned. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, of course, uh, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. Let's see. Um, Yeah, yeah, good. Tom says, uh, thinking of the uh, Shakespearean thread, it reminds him of the point in Macbeth where he says it would have been good. It would it w- it would have been a good life if he had died yesterday. Um, yeah, yeah. Has uh, has is 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 this Thorin coming to the tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow phase of his tragic arc? Possibly, uh, possibly. But again, see, this is where. I am at least hoping and trusting that the end of Thorin's character trajectory is not identical to uh, to uh, Macbeth's. Um, Macbeth uh, sees the emptiness of everything at the end, but he never repents, uh, and he never really, uh, you know, sort of learns and sees the light. Um, 
so I, I'm certainly hoping that that's not Thorin's destination. Apart from the fact that I also hope he doesn't get decapitated and have his held his his head displayed to the audience. Yes. Um, yes. Uh, but anyway, you know that's that's. Uh, um, yeah, okay. Now, Sandra Sandra also adds, you know, sort of in fairness, that Denethor only had a few scenes, whereas Thorin has had the time in three films slowly to descend into madness. Um, you are you are you are of course being perfectly just there, Sandra. It's it's uh, you know we, the, the two of them are not a one to one comparison, of course, but um, uh, but still, even I, you know, I, I to me, it's it's not just a question of the sort of stages by which Denethor's madness came on. I mean, that of course is, 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 has to be sort of blunter because it is so much shorter. Um, but even the nature and the characteristics of the, the madness that they gave him, I mean, to me, the, uh, sorry, sorry, Kay is chiding me for giving Macbeth spoilers. Uh, yeah, I apologize. If you've never read Macbeth, I, I, it's a, it's a Shakespearean tragedy and of the hero, dies at the end. I hope that's not giving away too much <laughs> about a Shakespeare tragedy. But anyway, um, but Sandra, back to, the, to your Denethor point, to me, the, the main difference is, is, again, is in the characterization of the madness while it's happening. Um, like the, the whole, uh, you know, the famous uh, Denethor eating disgustingly scene while, you know, Faramir and, and, and the other, uh, you know, Gondorian knights ride off to certain death. Um, I hate that scene. Uh, thematically, I hate that scene. I mean, I, I, I hate that scene as a depiction of Denethor's madness. I just, I, I never thought that that worked. Um, and I, 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 I never liked that at all. Um, but anyway. Um, okay. All right. And he's, okay. And he's turning, right? And again, we've got the turning of his face towards Bilbo, right? And he looks, he's, he's looking down. See, this one looks even more blank and and uh, and numb, doesn't it? I mean, well, he does. He looks like he's not home. Yeah, here he really looks like he's just been bludgeoned. Um, but but he's turning. Or he just realized he. Oh shoot! I didn't <laughs> yeah. move my laundry over to the dryer. I left the iron on. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> right, and then he looks up. Trying to remember whether he set the DVR to record Gotham. <laughs> <laughs> no, see that 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 would be this, you know, when he's if he were looking up and then he's like, oh shoot, you know, but <laughs> but no, no, it's going the other direction, right? It's going the other direction, and again, whatever's actually happening in the film, the composition of the trailer makes it look like he's turning and looking up at Bilbo, and I think the motion upward of his eyes and uh, uh, and the turning of his face is. I mean that 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 seems. <laughs> Pete Richard calls this the the gazing blankly into the fridge face, uh, which I think also <laughs> works. Um, anyway, so I I'm 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 I am taking this shot as a hopeful sign of Thorin's redemption. That's what I am. That's 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 how I'm taking this that that scene. And we segue straight from that to the destruction of Lake Town. Now, thematically, again, we've just had like him saying this, Dave, this is what convinces me more than anything else that Bilbo is clearly referring to Bard's demands because we juxtapose that immediately with the burning of Lake Town. 
right? Like, are their demands uh, reasonable? Yeah. Uh, let's re- review what happened to the people of Lake Town <laughs> and what their demands are based upon, right? The entire um, city is an inferno. Yes, we have the entire city in flames and barred... How in, yeah. How in God's name did anyone survive this? Well, by boat. See, this, it's, this, is, uh, this, is, this is where living, in the water, living on the water, I suppose, comes in handy. You brought upon them only ruin and death. Right, so of course we have the voiceover um, is barred. You brought upon them only ruin and death. Um, which is pretty much a recapitulation of what he said. We have, like, Bard, the uh, persistently grim-voiced, remaining uh, yeah. grim-voiced. Uh, uh, his I told you so moment. Yeah, this is, this, is, this is such a huge I told you so. It's just what I was thinking when I was watching the trailer. I'm like, Bard, really? I mean, yes, okay. Yes, you were right. Yes, you were right. Um, but, um, yeah, K... Ben Abraham says this is why waterfront property is so valuable because it 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 uh, it enables more easy escape from a dragon attack. Uh, it really boosts the real estate value for that reason. Um, the camera angle here, this is like the uh, Smaug's eye view of the burning of Lake Town, right? The sort of the whooshing down into it suggests the movement of the dragon. We do have his bow here. He's got his bow. He seems to be up on the parapet, uh, you know, where the ballista is. Um, uh, Is this bard, like, rallying himself and about to stand up and shoot at the dragon? Uh, I don't know. It kind of looks like it. He looks a little concerned, but who wouldn't be? Um, So, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'll be really interested to see if his bow figures in. You know, there are a couple of people that have been joking about that and saying, you know, after all this buildup about the black arrows and that ballista thing, if, uh, uh, you know, if he actually shoots the dragon with his bow, it would be kind of, uh, oh, ironic, yeah. But, what a um, come down. I'm assuming, by the way, that this is the hatch through which, uh, uh, they can communicate through the wall that they've built at the front gate. So I'm assuming this is barred at the gate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually think this is a really interesting choice. You think back to the scene that they're adapting from the book here, and what Tolkien depicts in The Hobbit at this point is a very formal parley between two military parties, right? You know, we have a group of people who come saying that they come in peace, and they address, Thorin is standing up on the walls, and they're addressing him up on the walls, and they've got, like, you know, their banners and, you know, their their heralds and everything... And they speak in very formalized language like you would at a parley. This is not a parley, right? This is not, you know, Bard doesn't have a, you know, a a herald standing behind him with his banner as the general of the army. This is Bard, whose house they stayed in when they were in Lake Town, talking to Thorin through a hole in the wall, you know, through this hatch um, and saying... You know, through this hatch, which to me reminds me, like, here I am at the door of your house knocking, just like you knocked at the door of my house, um, and just like I let you in through a hatch in the basement, which was also a toilet, um, you know, so here I am standing at a hatch in your door, uh, uh, and, um, well, I guess it's, uh, there's still some similarities to a toilet, I suppose, but it's a little bit different. Anyhow, so, um, uh, that... This this seem it seems to me that the way that they've contextualized this is in a much more personal way 
right? That this is a very this is a this is a more personal appeal between Bard and Thorin than um, you know between the general of the combined human elf armies and uh, you know Thorin the Thorin on the gates. Um, yeah, Brannis says we see a shot later of him riding away from the gate alone. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, good, good. Other thoughts? I feel like I'm monopolizing the conversation wonder, a little more I than I usually if do. Comes up here by himself. I mean, do we think there's like an army behind him, or do you think he's come up on his own? It's kind of he's he doesn't look like he's dressed for war. No, um, he's still wearing his fur-lined coat. Yeah, he's not. He's got no helmet. No. Yeah. Apparently, no armor. Yeah. He's just kind of casually leaning on this thing, peering through this uh, a porthole, or whatever you call this. Yeah. 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 No, it's he's very casually leaning, isn't he? He's got his hand up there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so he just... I'm thinking this this probably happens relatively early on. I mean, uh, early on in know, there in the see, negotiations. After, yeah. Right after we see the decimation of Lake Town and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't see. <laughs> Carita Alexander is now thinking of Pyramus and Thisbe. See, we've opened the Shakespearean thing now, so everyone's going to be making Shakespeare associations. Um, this we have is a not competition going on. Among yeah, the yeah, we we definitely. I, I think if we're if we're sort of associating a, a Bard with Bottom the Weaver, we're headed in the wrong direction. I think. I think it's not what this trailer is in fact trying to trying to suggest. But any, but anyway, <laughs> but nevertheless, I, I do I I, I I I do appreciate the uh, Pyramus. And this be reference. I think what we, uh, you know, I, who was just asking the question is whether or not we get the. Oh yeah, no, Gerald was saying that. Um, Gerald was saying, is the elf army here yet? Um, you know, that's the big question. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. It's a big question because it to me, to me, what that's a question about is it's a question about what are the dynamics between Bard and Thranduil. Right. I mean, if the elf army and everybody is out there and Bard is saying, let me go talk to him or Bard just goes on his own and is like, I'm going to go talk to Thorin. Right. Um, then that tells me something, you know, about the dynamics between Bard and Thranduil. Um, if it's not, you know, if this would only happen because the elf army isn't there, then that tells us something else about the, you know, that relationship. So um, that is it is interesting, like um uh, uh, as Kay points out that that if this is if this is just if this is Bard showing up you know at the head of the refugees um, who are suffering and unarmed and all this kind of stuff man it makes Thorn look even worse yeah yeah he just looks like a real cretin no it really does I mean it's that's that's something and we'll come back to this later on but one thing that was at least clear in the book is that what Bard was at the head of was not a ragged group of refugees, but an army, right? I mean, it was, they left more, you know, the refugee, you know, they, they like, they left the, the, the injured and the women and children and, and the master back in Lake Town, back on the shores of Lake Town, you know, where the elves had come and tried to make them as comfortable as possible. But then, you know, so the, 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 the lake men who were there at the, at the, at the mountain are is an army. Um, yeah, if they are like a huddled group of refugees outside the mountain and Thorin is saying, forget about it, I agree, Dave, it really changes the dynamic and puts a lot of pressure on what Thorin is doing there. Yeah. 
It's pretty interesting. Yeah. Well, wait. Uh, so what? What? Thorin in the next shot. What is he wearing? Here. Yeah. See, he he isn't armed. This isn't the I will have war moment, right? Because he at that point he was wearing his his helmet like, armor and his yes. crown. Yes. Yes. And that's up on the oh. wall. Notice he's not on the wall. He's behind it. Presumably this is the hatch that Bard is yeah. talking through. Um. So. What is, what is, wife. What is he doing? Not like wanting to face. And now he's leaning it against it and, and clutching at his heart. Rolling. Okay, I don't think he's rolling his eyes, but he's closing his eyes, uh, but then looking resolved. I think. But I think he's what not talking to Bard face to face. Yeah, I think what we're seeing God. here is him not looking Bard in the eye here. Um, you know that Bard is talking to him, and he's got he's standing with his back against the wall. Um, uh, you know, so yeah, I, I think he's. I think I, I. I think this is a sign. This is another like sign of Thorin doing the wrong thing, and aware on some level that he's doing the wrong thing. Um, but uh, but yet being resolved to do it anyway. And that I think is one of the things. I mean, I think that being true to the book in this way, in a film is going to be, is is really hard. The depiction of Thorin, how to make Thorin's descent, you know, into, you know, madness and, 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 uh, and, and the stuff that he does, how to make that in any way sort of not only comprehensible, but in some sense sympathetic, you know, so that we don't, as an audience, just turn on Thorin is really hard to do. Um, and... Uh, you know, and it's 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 the thing I've been. It's one of the things I've been really looking forward to because I really want to see how 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 Richard Armitage does it. This moment is to me an interesting kind of glimpse at that. You know, because his body language is suggesting, you know, I'm ashamed of what I'm doing. I don't want to just look at Bard and tell him right to his face that I'm not going to help. Um, and yet he's clearly in the process of convincing himself to you know stay the course that he's uh, set himself on there. Um, and then we get the group of dwarves and this is this was the in the previous teaser we saw this was the will you follow me one last time shot right well yeah except here we get all of the dwarves looking as if I mean like you imagine yeah you imagine what they're looking at right I mean look at Look at Kiwi, right? Look at Dory. Look at Bilbo. Um, look at Balin, right? And uh, look at Dwalin, too. Even Nori over here is like, I, don't, I can't even look straight at you. I mean, like, you know, it'd be sort of a fun thing to, so like, what are they looking at? Like, what could they be looking at that would match these expressions? It looks like they're looking at some kind of, like, really shameful thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um in cases, I hope I'm never on the receiving end of a group stare down like that. Um, yeah, it, it's that there's not. This is not solidarity, or, or you know, solidarity with each other, perhaps, but um, um, but certainly not uh, solidarity with Thorin. I mean, there's there's uh, some serious friction here. Yep, and Kiwi in the middle. Right, Kiwi is the center, the central point of this, and the one who is who like 
is most squarely set against him and everything. Who looks angriest? The rest of them like look like disappointed or disgusted. Kiwi is the one who really looks ticked off. Yep. Now, right after that, we get them. This is presumably this is the wall, right, with the dwarves on top of the wall. So these are the gates. Were what were the gates? So this would be the wall that they've constructed. And is that Thorin descending the wall? I- I'm assuming that's what it is. Hard to tell. Looks okay. like it. You think he maybe this is where he goes down to see for the parley? I think this is afterwards. I think that this oh, is... You, think so? you look at him? Look at his shoulders. See how broad his shoulders look? I think he's got his armor on here. Oh, okay. Um, hard to tell if the dwarves do because they're so fuzzy. Yeah, it is hard to tell. I mean, they're they're pretty far away. But I would, I would. This kind of makes me think it might be, um, uh, it might be, uh, like I could imagine this being right after the, uh, you know, this means war um, statement. You know, he's just right. basically declared war, and now he's stomping off, and the rest of the dwarves are all standing there, kind of stunned, looking out. Um, you know, I don't know, but again, it's interesting. Uh, once again, we have Thorin separate from the rest of the dwarves, them all standing together, and him moving, and him moving down and away, right? And we've got the ancient dwarf statue, you know, the Titanic dwarf statues looking down. Um, this has got to be the ragged hole that where the front where the gates used to be. Um, yep. And then, of course, we get the dwar- you know. So the the dwarf statues, like, do they approve? No, they don't seem to approve. We've got the destruction. I don't know the context of this. I can't really guess the context of this. Like, what makes them, f- what makes it fall down? But the symbolic effect of it seems relatively yeah. clear. In the trailer, they're they're clearly trying to hint at the, they're using it as symbol, you know, using it symbolically. Um, I wonder. I mean, is this? Could this be when they burst forth through the gates? Uh, I don't know. Actually, I like Pete's idea. Pete suggests that they're actually barricading the gate. That they, that the dwarves themselves sabotage this in order to make the gate less accessible. Which yeah, I, I, that is a good. I am. That yeah. Is good. From a purely strategic, you know, from a purely tactical standpoint, it's a really good move because you got these huge boulders now. There's the gate. Um, you know, so no, and you know that the you know the wall that you built up on the inside is not is still going to be obviously the weakest point in this wall. So, you know, you yeah. make it basically impossible for anybody with a ram or anything like that even to approach it. They have to climb over these boulders. It's a great idea tactically, um, but again, can you imagine Thorin giving that order? You know, I let's 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 chip that uh, that big dwarf statue away from the wall and. Uh, uh, you know, send the like huge effigy of uh, the huge effigy of Erebor, like cr- tumbling down in ruin, because that seems like a good idea. Um, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Good. Sandra was just suggesting the same thing. Um, yeah, interesting. Um, then we have actually a relatively prolonged piece of darkness. Here. This is the longest fade that we've had in the trailer so far, and it, which again also seems symbolic, uh, following the collapse of that dwarf statue. 
then we get what? Thorin? Looking out on Dale? Uh, is that is that like the opposing armies occupying Dale, maybe? That's what I think. I Seeing mean like campfires? I think so. This is uh, this is not Lake Town burning in the distance because it's up on a hill. Oh, right. Yeah. So it's gotta be that. So it's uh And I think we're still thing. at the at the three army stage here, yeah. surely. This is Thorin seeing, looking and seeing, like, aha, see, should have, I was right not to trust that bard. Right. <laughs> right. Um, it doesn't look like there's anything in the valley down there, but it looks like it looks like what we're seeing is an encampment in, inside of... But, but see, see, symbolically, though, um, symbolically, though, it makes, it continues to make Thorin less uh, justifiable. Remember, in the book, Bard comes and is like, uh, Hail, Thorin. Um, you know, aren't we still friends? Uh, we helped you, and now we need help. Can you help us? Plus, by the way, that's some of our stuff you've got. Can we have it back? Is that all right? Um, and by the way, I killed the dragon. Aren't you, like, a little grateful for the fact that I killed the dragon? Like, but again, it's Bard at the head of an army doing a, a you know, a military-style parley in, you know, time of, of war. And Thorne's question that he asks at the beginning is a perfectly sensible question. You know, who comes armed as if for war to the gates of, of Thorne, son of Thran, right. son of Thror? That's a great yep. question. Why are you, in fact, coming armed as if for war to the gates? Um, and yep. remember, they have encamped their army right outside the gates like they're besieging it. And then, of course, they do besiege it once Thorin proves to be unreasonable, or they officially besiege it. But it was kind of besieged already. Here, we're not getting a besieging army. There, what, what, what's wrong with the refugees trying to move back to Dale? That's their city. I mean, so what? So here's Thorin looking out across the desolate wilderness and saying, like, hey, there's life and light in Dale again. That's a bad, ominous thing. That's not a bad, ominous thing. It's a good thing, right? I mean, shouldn't they, this is like, hey, look, life is returning to the to, to the desolation now. You know, now look, there 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 are men in Dale again, as of old. Hooray! There are friends, and that I mean, right? Uh, whereas, that's not aggressive. To, for them to go to Dale is not an aggressive move on the part of Bard and the refugees. Yeah. Well, except that's more madness, right? I mean, that's well. You'd think again. I mean, yeah. Be. It's it's it, it does seem to lean in that direction again. Just as if 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 what we're going to get is refugees, and it's it's looking like that. Um, that that seems to move it in sort of the same the same way. Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I agree, Pete. I'm sure he does. Like, you know, I'm sure he is worried that they want that he wants their gold, but it changes the footing, right? Instead of here I am minding my own business and I'm under attack now. Like you guys are saying you're my friends, but like you're besieging me with an army. Like how the heck am I supposed to interpret that? I can't trust you. Not when you come with an army, especially an army of people who like are my enemies and kept me prisoner. Although I do, you know, Thorin's dealings with Bard in the book are not really justifiable. Uh, in the end, his reaction is perfectly understandable. Um, and in many ways, quite reasonable. Um, that is his initial negative reaction to the way that they approach him. If he's looking out across at, a, at what is really a refugee camp in Dale, 
what's wrong with that? <laughs> there's, there's, that's not threatening yeah. at all. Um, and if his response to that is like, yeah, but those jerks are never going to get my gold. Like, why? What possible motivation does he have to say that? Um, again, unlike the book. Um, so I think that that's a, that seems to me, um, that seems to me a pretty big deal. Um, uh, yeah. Now a, a couple people were pointing about the, uh, the similarity between, uh, the willingness, Thorin's willingness to sacrifice the um, golden statue at the end of Desolation of Smaug versus the, you know, this idea of him deliberately cutting down the, the, the stone statue in front of the gates of Erebor. Um, uh, I, I, I agree. I mean, like, I, I definitely can see the point. Like, and you could easily make a statement to say that it worked, but... I symbolically the two of them seem to me to point in completely different ways. I thought that the sacrifice of the golden statue at the end of the second film was a good sign for Thorin. Um, symbolically, it seemed to be because it's gold. It's not just a dwarf statue. It's not just a you know a a reverend symbol of Erebor that was because it's not Erebor that was right. It's a new statue that they made. There was a mold standing there, right? The 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 dwarves of old had been preparing to make this statue, but what the dwarves of old, especially embodied in the in the character of Thror the king, had been in the process of doing, was not a good thing. It was a bad thing. It was the corruption of Thror. Um, so the idea that Thror was like just on the cusp of saying, "I want a huge Titanic statue made of solid gold of me," right? That's not good. I, I mean, I think I'm I'm gonna say that I think that that's a that's a pretty bad sign. Um, and for Thorin, basically, instead of going along in the same direction, had Thorin treasured that statue, had Thorin being like, yeah, actually, you know, Grandpa was right, what this throne room really needs is a huge golden statue of a dwarf king. Like, then my kingdom, my new, my you know, restored kingdom will be complete. That would have been bad. You know, and his willingness, but his willingness to sacrifice that, to say, no, this, this, sort of image this this uh this symbol of you know the the sort of the gold lust and the arrogant pride of the dwarf kings um i'm just going to use that as a booby trap essentially to try to defeat our enemy that seems to me an entirely good you know symbolically an entirely good thing whereas um the uh, the you know the symbolic effect of i am going to uh tear down one of the ancient dwarf stat you know statues you know uh, on the side of the of the mountain in order to prevent you know in order to barricade ourselves in more effectively against the people who are presumably our friends or you know who we have reason to think are are our friends that seems to me an almost unambiguously bad symbolic uh thing so um hmm of course, it depends on when it is. I mean, if the goblins have been sighted, to me, you know, it changes it. But if he's tearing down titanic dwarf statues to protect them against, you know, the elves and men, uh, I'm sticking with my negative symbolic uh, reading uh, here. But his expression here, I find interesting. I'm trying to remember what's the what's the do get a voice over here. 
Right. We defend now it. we defend it. Okay. So Right. Yeah. Bilbo was so we got the you know, Bilbo's voice saying oh sorry. Am I going the wrong way? No, I jumped way forward, sorry. We're not we're we're not a full minute into this trailer, nothing like. Okay. Uh, so we've got, you know, Bilbo saying we've won the mountain back, right? You know, and then he says, now we defend it. So that's the context of him looking out here. Right. You know, this is clearly him. But again, so to me, it really emphasizes that uh, that conflict, right? That contrast. Um, you know, as if he's looking out on a military encampment. Um, and, and it is a military encampment, but again, it's it's the resettling of Dale. Um, you know, what? since when are the dwarves of Erebor and the men of Dale enemies? Um, yeah, now we defend it. And we segue to the elf army, and here's Bard, looking pretty out of place, amongst all the shiny armor... And, like, his horse whose head you can't even see compared to, like, the enormous moose. Um, uh, Clearly looking up at the wall where Thorin is. See, this is... Well, this is not even exactly a parley. This is like an advance. I mean, this is like a... This is like a siege. (laughs) Gabrielle likes the fact that the moose is the only one looking at the camera. That moose is something, I'll tell you what. It really is. Yeah, Thorne's thinking, oh, I like your moose. Yeah. Cool moose. Yeah. But look at that thing. Yeah, that's total moose envy right there. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yep. And Keeley's like, holy moly. Yeah. How are we ever going to defeat that moose? Yeah. Right. Yeah, they're hopeless against the moose. Um, so we got a bunch of the other... A bunch of the other dwarves. We got. This, we can see. We can see the weapons here. We see dwarves lining the walls here. This is Thorin in his full armor, with his rather unattractive crown. Okay, we got the elf archers aiming upwards. So again, we, we've got the we've got the tensions here. Now you've got something of mine. Um, uh, Thranduil looking pretty crazy here. Crazy By the really. way, apparently there's a backstory to this. You've got something of mine. If you'd like me to tell, you can virtually slap my wrist after I tell you. No, wait, wait. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. What, what's your source? Before you tell me, what's your source? Uh, the book, the guide. Oh, uh, the guide. Yeah, you know that's. I guess it's either been published or it's been released a little bit. No, wait! Don't tell me! Don't tell me! I don't want to know. Okay. And the reason okay. I don't want to know is that it's not that I never want to know, but I want to see how. Know in the movie. I want to probably. see how much I can figure out without knowing, because it's okay. hard. It's hard for me to forget what I know. So. Uh, <laughs> Well, actually, I, like I, actually, I, I do that all I, the time. I was going to say, I forget what I know all the time. It might be hard for me to forget what I know. It's, it might, it's really easy for me to forget what Don't I said. But, you yeah. never want to know. <laughs> I never want to know. No, no, no. I, I will be interested, but, but I want to see how much of it comes across in the film. Okay. Because okay. we've gotten hints of it. Now, of course, some of it was buried in the extended edition of film one. Of course, the, the most important point, uh, you know, that scene where the gems are being actively withheld from Thranduil by Thror, 
um, in 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 you know the the Ian Holm voiceover prologue of the Unexpected right. Journey, which was not in the theatrical edition. That was pretty huge to explain what the heck he's talking about. Um, you know, and Dave, I come back to um, I come back to what you were saying before about you know obscure references back to like very early films or, or back to uh, or, or back to things that were not in the theatrical edition it's the yep. same thing like what did people do people who hadn't seen the extended edition could anybody understand what Thranduil was talking about when he says like I too you know uh, seek a gem it's like can anyone possibly understand that without seeing the extended edition um, boy that's true but anyway um so Thranduil looks upset about this. Um, you can tell by the eyebrows, right? Yep. Yeah, those. I mean, even his eyebrows look pale uh, in this in, in this scene. I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. This is not his eyebrows' best performance. I, I have to say. Um, and he's in Dale, right? When he says this. He's outside, ruined stone in the background, looks like Dale. Hey, oh, well, we're finally up to this December. There we go. <laughs> we're almost a third of the way through. Okay, so we've got two orcs looking orcs, down right? at the armies. So now we have the armies marching. And which direction are they heading? Are they going toward where the orcs are standing, or away? Toward, I guess, because I can see the banners. Yeah, they're going well, towards. Toward. I think. Hard to tell. Last move in a master. Yes. Toward. Okay. Now, so let's move on to strategy here. And this is, to me, by far the most. Um, the most remarkable thing about, um, I mean, uh, Lee Pace's eyebrows looked a little faded out in that last scene, but my eyebrows went up at this scene because it was, I don't have any idea what Gandalf is talking about here. You know, this is where he says, this is the final move in a master plan. Yeah, yeah. Who is it? Just Gerald said the same thing. Makes it sound like this is Sauron's big push to take over Middle Earth, as if the War of the Ring was just an afterthought. Right now, although it could be because he doesn't have his ring. Well, yeah, exactly. It could be. You know? It could be. Now, I, you know, it's um. This is obviously stretching a point. You know, historically thinking about the the you know historically the Third Age of Middle Earth. Um, what Gandalf says, you know, in the Appendix A slash Quest of Erebor stuff is that things could have been much worse, you know, had the Hobbit stuff not happened. You know, had Smaug been available for um, Sauron to deploy up in the north, had Erebor not been uh, recovered, things would have been much worse later on. Um but you know, and they've taken that to sort of suggest Sauron is actually planning his move now. He's going to get thwarted here, and it's going to set him back a ways, so that he's not going to try again until we get to the 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 War of the Ring. Um, I think that that can work. I mean, it's um, uh, it's uh, um, I mean, I guess I, that 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 seems to me quite 
plausible. But um, what I can't figure out is what exactly Sauron's strategy is. What is the master plan? Um, I don't get it, but that's what I've never gotten in these movies so far. They've been hinting at that. I'm trying to guess from the terrain, but it's hard to guess from the terrain. I mean, I'm guessing this is south of the Lonely Mountain, but I don't know. And then we get Bilbo looking out. Obviously, he's not looking out at them, but I love that, you know, so we've got the, the movement, the two movement of the armies pictures. And we got the, in the middle. We have them outside, up on the mountain somewhere, where it's dark and gloomy. Some, which look like the Raven Hill shots, and Bilbo looking out as if he's looking at the Goblin Army. You know this this the way in which it sort of suggested that Bilbo is the one who sees what's coming because sh- showing this shot of Bilbo walking towards us as the Gandalf's voiceover is explaining that this is the first move in a master plan suggests that, you know, they're all looking in other directions and they're not looking and he's the one who's picking up on what's going on and sort of gets a, gets a, gets a view of things. I think that's a sort of an interesting visual to juxtapose into the middle of the moving armies. Here is the one scene in this whole trailer that I understand least. Where are they going? <laughs> Why are they going underground? And where are they? Wait, are they? Wait, are they going underground or are yes. they emerging from? Under- no, they're they going underground. Issue? So here, here, here it is, going forward, going forward. There, they're headed underground. Huh. They're are marching. We're not meant to believe that Bilbo was looking at this. Right? No, no. I, well, I, I no. I mean, he, he he's clearly not. He's clearly not. I mean, again, th- that seems to me a more more of a symbolic interjection uh, in the trailer. There. This is. I mean, are we? Should we interpret this as um, near Dol Guldur, and they're they're going to take some kind of underground goblin tunnels to sneak up on the mountain? Is that the mountain? I, that's what I was going to say. I have a hard time believing it is. The mountain is so finished off with, you know, architecture. So here, here's my theory. Here's my only theory about this. What we, um, what we were just getting in the voiceover was Gandalf, Gandalf saying it's, this is the last, uh, the last move in a master plan. And when this is showing, Gandalf is saying, um, you know, that was like, you know, many years in the preparing. Um, I, my theory, my, the only explanation that I can think of that makes any sense. Um, and I'm open to other suggestions that make more sense because I don't know, um, is that they are marching on the mountain, but they don't want to march over land because then they'll be seen because they're a huge army who will be seen moving in the distance. This is this was like Saruman's problem when he was attacking Helm's Deep, right? You've got like Aragorn standing there watching the whole army and, you know, really visible <laughs> from a distance. Um, Sauron is, however, not so poor a tactician. So what he has is tunnels, goblin tunnels that extend north for at least part of it, so that they're going to emerge from the ground, not at, not in the mountain, but near mm-hmm. the mountain, so that this is how the goblin armies are going to sneak up on the Lonely Mountain and not be seen until the last minute, how they can come in as a surprise. Mm-hmm. If that's true, 
then if that's true, then it would mean that the plan long conceived would be Sauron marching an army in secret north to the Lonely Mountain. I can't make that make any sense at all. (laughs) Why on earth would he do that? Sauron has lost it. Because I mean, like, are we seriously supposed to believe that Sauron is thinking someday someone is going to kill the dragon in a very improbable way, and so I need to pre- prepare against the day when Smaug is shot from the sky by a lone archer in a burning city. So I'm going to spend years preparing for that event by digging tun- having the orcs dig tunnels so that when Smaug is improbably destroyed, I can then bring my army in secret up to that place. Maybe his plan was to eventually march on Smaug. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. He's turning on Smaug. He's there like, you go. That dragon's had the mouth. I, I will use him as long as I need him, and then I will kill him. He's getting out of control. So the 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 enormously laborious digging of huge tunnels that an army can travel through for many miles was an emergency plan, a backup yeah, I plan. I can't, <laughs> I can't defend it. I can't I defend mean, any of it. Yeah. Um, here's the because <laughs> the, the only thing that I can think that makes any sense is that if it's a long-term plan, the mountain can't have been his target. I mean, what we got, what Thrain revealed in the extended edition was that the dragon and Sauron are in league, which, of course, Sauron himself had already quite hinted at um, in his conversation with Bilbo. Um, uh, Yeah, now, Robert is backing me up here, and yes, Robert, that's what I was thinking, that's what led me to, to think of this interpretation of this seen in the in the in the in the trailer Robert is quoting um in the book then this this is the goblins marching from the misty mountains of course uh to the mount to the lonely mountain then then they marched and gathered by hill and valley going ever by tunnel or under dark not even the ravens knew of their coming until they came out in the broken lands which divided the lonely mountain from the hills behind um that is in fact how the goblin army gets to the lonely mountain in the books is through tunnels and largely underground um so, uh, so yes, yes, there is justification for this in the in the book. In fact, um, but um, but why? Why? I mean, again, Gandalf's words. It's not even the images that blew me away. What blew me away was Gandalf's voiceover. Gandalf's characterization of this as a uh, as a a plan. This is part of the plan. Strategy. Yeah. This is not improvisation. You know, this is not, whoa, shoot, the dragon's dead, I gotta do something. Right? No, no, no. It was supposed to happen this way. Um, and if Sauron can't have been forming an alliance with Smaug with the knowledge and intention that Smaug was gonna die, um, I, I am thinking... Um, I am thinking that see, Luke is laughing at me for asking why um, Luke I totally disagree with you I actually th- you know if you are willing as many Tolkien fans are not willing to take Peter Jackson's films on their own terms 
those terms usually make sense. You can say it varies from the book in ways, but there are, there are in the Hobbit films especially, there have been few times when I have found the plot to be simply incoherent. Indeed, an argument that I've made before, and would still make, is that the plot of Peter, the overall plot and story of Peter Jackson's Hobbit films is actually a good deal more coherent than Tolkien's plot in the published Hobbit. Um, that plot, that the Hobbit story, when you look at it closely, doesn't really, I mean, like, you know, I mean, it's stuff that I've talked about lots of times before, and I talked about in my book, like the fact that the dwarves are going to the mountain and don't seem to have the faintest idea, the faint, they've never even seemed to have, it doesn't even seem to have occurred to them what they're going to do about the dragon. The way in which their original strategy, apparently just to burgle gold out of the, out of the mountain, makes no sense at all, as Smaug himself points out once they get there, you know, um, what what were you go- going to do about cartage right that's exactly it's the cartage question that they were that they were uh, that they were neglecting um it's 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 there are there are holes all over the place because again it's the way that the story grew and it's it's fine i don't have any problem with that uh in the book but um the plan as it's laid out the overarching story of of Jackson's films holds together much better let's hire a burglar to go and steal the arkenstone so that we can use the arkenstone how i don't yet know um in order to rally the dwarves and and to you know so that all of the kindreds of the dwarves will come together and rally behind us to come and retake erebor that's a plan it might not be a good plan but it's a plan they don't have a plan in the book um but uh and and the thing that's never been shown, the thing that's never been revealed, but been implied all the way along, is how do the two stories fit together? Yes, we have Sauron taking shape in Dol Guldur and building an army. We have implications that Sauron and Smaug were in league. Both of those things, again, according to book lore, should be happening. We should be seeing um, some communication between Sauron and Smaug. Gandalf was suggesting that they were going to be working together, and that was only interrupted by the untimely death of the dragon. Um, we do have Sauron taking shape in Dol Guldur. Um, the question is, how does this stuff work together? And the hints that we've gotten have been really unclear. I'm, I'm still, myself, in the stage of, like, sort of, you know, being willing to wait and see if they if they, in fact, bring that story together, the rest of what I've seen of the story uh, in um, in the films leads me to believe that it's gonna come together, but I just still don't understand it. I still don't see it. Because, um, see, Brianna, I don't agree with you that everything about Sauron's activities makes no sense. Um, I, 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 I don't... Um, again, you know... No, I can't make sense of what's happening here, but I'm not yet going to say this makes no sense until I see what the story actually is. Um, but, uh, so, um, so yeah, I, I mean, I, 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 yeah, at this point I can't make sense of it, but that doesn't necessarily convince me that there's no sense that can be made of it. Um, the idea of an alliance works. So the question that I ask myself then in trying to figure it out with the evidence that we have, since we have evidence of an active alliance and a plan between Sauron and Smaug, what would their plan have been? If this is going to be Sauron's move, if his first move here was to take over, um, you know, was to, to, to try to make his move here and now, um, you know, from Dol Guldur and at this point, um, what would the plan 
be? What would the plan have been? What would his target be? Obviously not Erebor, because that's where his ally lives, right? Where would it be? Hmm. The evidence from within the film seems to suggest Mirkwood. Right. Um, you know, first Thranduil and then Galadriel would be my guess as to the answers to that question. Um, they've got the elves divided. Dol Guldur effectively divides Lorien from uh, Thranduil and separates the two of them. Um, remember all of that talk of Toriel's in uh, in the Desolation of Smaug about the encroachment of the spiders, like they keep becoming bolder and bolder. We need to stamp them out at their source in Dol Guldur, she says naively, not thinking that the source in Dol Guldur is anything more than just a big old nest of spiders. Um, but uh, what we have is the encroaching darkness. We see, you know, a, a great deal is made in the film of the corruption of Mirkwood, right, and of the evil spreading. And and the implication, it seems to me, in the context of everything that we've seen, is not that this is merely sort of a side effect, you know, that the darkening of Mirkwood um, and the poisoning of Mirkwood is merely like the sort of toxic waste release of the evil of Sauron, um, you know, a kind of an incident, but rather part of a strategy. That what we're seeing is evil and corruption um, overtaking the wood, and all that we know in the wood, the, uh, the other thing that's in the wood is Thranduil and Thranduil's kingdom. Right. Um, the only other things we know, you know, they're thinking of things that have been given to us in the films, right? What do we know is here? Like, what is the geography like? What's included? All we know is that there's Dogulder in the south of Mirkwood. We know that Lorien is down further away. We've seen maps of that in the Lord of the Rings film. Of course, we went to Lorien in the Lord of the Rings films. But Dogulder is in the south of Mirkwood. We've got Thranduil's kingdom. We've got Lake Town, the ruins of Dale, the ruins of the Lonely Mountain with a dragon in it, and the Iron Hills somewhere vaguely um, in that direction, too. We saw a map that included the Iron Hills as well in the first Hobbit film. Um, so there are dwarves up in the north somewhere. Um, there are there's that elf kingdom, there's the remnants of the men, and that's it. So if he's moving north, it's got to be against... And you've, and, and, and you've got to think, he's got the dwarves taken care of, and they're scattered anyway. It's got to be the elves, right? It's got to be Thranduil. He's coming to attack, and then and thence southward to Lorien. And again, if you think about like this as being like the, the you know, the beginnings of like the, the, uh, the offensive... Um, that is, you know, what was, uh, you know, the, the the offensive that he ended up doing more fully in the War of the Ring. It's a good, it's a pretty good plan, actually, to take them out one by one in this way. And if he succeeds in doing that, then all you have is Gondor, you know, down to the south. And you, which, again, if his power base is in Dol Guldur, um, you know, Gondor is, like, not even immediately relevant, Right. Um, you've just got Gondor in the south, and then you've got Rivendell now completely on its own uh, across the across the mountains. And since you can cross the mountains very easily by bunny sled, that's not you know that's that's pretty uh, uh, that's 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 pretty easy to get to. So no problem. Um, hmm. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Yes, people are teasing me for spending so much time on this scene. It's not about this scene in the trailer. This, like, to me, this is the biggest issue. I, I this is the number one thing that I had uh, that I wanted to talk about about the trailer. This, to me, the most uh, 
the most kind of the the biggest issue how are they adapting the story question is the one that I get in this scene I mean there might be others that I'm missing but this this uh, um, this question seems to me a big deal I mean it's it's exactly the kind of thing I would have taken a whole episode to talk about um, you know back when we were doing riddles in fact we did kind of talk about this uh, to some extent but the idea to me the difference is what has changed the new piece of information that we get here is the idea that this is part of the plan. It's not improvisation, that this is part of the plan. Um, anyway. Um, any other thoughts? Am I missing anything? You've any, been any... pretty complete. Right. I've been rapt listening to you. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing how much we made out of the guys marching into the tunnels. Well, it's. I it's, think it's really good, though. I think it's it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, it's a big deal. And it's a big deal because it's the big story. It's the big story. I mean, this is what right. makes this is the thing Sean's that I. Sean's master plan. Sean's master plan. Exactly. It's 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 um. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I to me, it's one of the most fascinating things. I mean, what I like most about the Jackson films, there's a lot I don't like about the execution, but what I love about the conception of them is the kind of thought experiment that they're doing. What would the... If you told the Hobbit... If you put the Hobbit story in the big picture that Tolkien later filled out of, you know, the history of the Third Age of Middle-earth, what would that story really look like if you told really the whole big story? And Tolkien never did that. Um, and, you know, though I, though I think he wanted to in part, um, in, in part in the 1960 Hobbit, though he never got this far. Um, and I, I, I love that idea. I love the concept of saying, you know, let's actually, let's do, let's not just do an adaptation of the book, not just do an adaptation of the, of the 1937 Hobbit or even of the 19, uh, you know, or, or, or even of the, the, the 1945 Hobbit, but let's do, um, let's do the big picture. I love that. So thinking about the big, this is to me the big deal. This is, this is, this is, this is what I love, uh what I love uh, working on most. Um, Sandra's already on to the bats here, you know, which we have, and she's, uh, uh, Sandra's loving the, uh, the, the Baron and Luthien uh, connections with the bats. Um, is this the point? This isn't the point where he says they're war bats. They're trained yes. for war. Yes. Oh, this, okay. this is Lego's voiceover. There's only one thing that these bats break, and that's war. Right, yeah, exactly. So we've got the army of war bats. Are they one of the five armies? Who knows? Um, uh, I think that's gonna. I think he's gonna keep that a a, a controversy. Yeah. Even after the movie. <laughs> Probably so. Um, there's a lot of potential comedy involved in uh, an army of war bats, but. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, what is uh, like Legolas's comment? Like suggests there's some real significance to the the appearance of the bats. Yeah, yes. he's very serious about it. He's like worried. Well, the the content of what he's saying is not like what I'm getting from that is not holy crap. There are bats. This 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 just got serious, okay? Because there are bats now involved and. And you don't mess around with bats. That's not what I take from Legolas. Is, is that basically what he sees is if somebody is, you know, 
he draws the conclusion yeah. that the only that th- this is this is a certain sign of war. Um, yeah, right, right, right. One might question a huge flock of bats as being a certain sign, of, a certain war. sign of war. That's <laughs> not a, a a normal sign of war. But uh, but granting Legolas's premises here, clearly what he's serious about. Because remember, this goes back to the like it's not our fight conversation. Right. Um, And what this is, you know, this gets, you know, this is a this is a a Legolas and Toriel moment here from the beginning. That's clearly who he's talking to is Toriel um, is. And look, 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 look at that expression. That expression says, yeah, you were right. (laughs) He's looking kind of disgusted or like, he's like, yeah, I have to admit that this is totally our fight. Um, uh, (laughs) I don't like to say that I was wrong and you were right, but uh, crap if it isn't true. Um, <laughs> I, it's, it's, I mean, does, doesn't that look like that? I mean, you know, yes. seriously. Women. I was going to say, uh, tell me there aren't women in the audience <clears throat> that recognize that expression. Right. <laughs> the, the very grudging admission that you were right and I was wrong. Um, <laughs> uh, but anyway, it's... it's, it's um, uh, so again, like you know, leaving the sort of the the war bat issue aside, um, again, it's the fact that it's war. This again, and now it, we're 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 and notice, of course, we're segueing from this right from the marching of the armies. This to me also suggests that Legolas is himself recognizing, you know, this is again, this is our fight, right? This you know, war is being brought to us. Not only are the spiders a big deal, not only are you know goblins invading, and and chasing down these dwarves a big deal, but this the, 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 this w- these things were in fact signs of an impending war, and I think an impending war that likely was targeted directly at his kingdom. Um, so uh, that's a uh, that's a that seems a big deal. Um, now we segue to okay. Who are these guys? Are these... These aren't Nazgul, are they? Yes, they're Nazgul. Are they? They're the Nazgul. Yeah, count um, them. Well, actually, one's out of frame. Yeah, yeah, there's this guy down here. No, they're, they're nine. One, two, three, four, they're five, nine. six, okay. seven, eight, nine. They're all dressed differently. Yeah. They all have their... Yeah, oh, the nine. Which is... I was kind of wondering, like, like before when I... Wa- I, I never actually... I've never freeze-framed this yeah. frame. Yeah. Uh, so I you kind of just saw them in uh, in passing as the, the, the shot went by, and it was like, whoa, were those Nazgul or statues? Yeah. But now that we see them, obviously Nazgul, and they look pretty awesome. They do, they do actually. And look, the, their robes are, are rustling in the wind. I thought they were statues, too, and then I noticed the mo- the, mo- the motion. Yeah, I can't I tell which one's the king. Of, I think the king might be there under the uh, on the left at the bottom of the stairs. This guy? Yeah. yeah. Might be and him, too. Might be him, helmets. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and they that, each are different. That and, guy yeah. over on the right-hand side. This guy's awesome. Like yeah. Him. He this looks guy. like a jester. Doesn't it look like a jester has? <laughs> I yeah. bet this guy gets teased unmercifully by the other Nazgul all the <laughs> time. That's cool. That's cool hat. <laughs> it, is this like a huge, gigantic mace that he's carrying? I hope it is. Yeah. Because it, that like, that's flowers. exactly what, the, what like, the, you know, you could totally see, like, how this conversation goes, right? Like, they make fun of him about his, like, jester hat, and then he's like, you come over here and say that, you know. I, I, and I'll I, beat you with my bouquet of flowers. 
Yeah, also, exactly. What, what is the weapon? What is the weapon the guy on the left hand side's got? This looks like, like a double bladed, like yeah, like a spear like a spy, or a yeah a double bladed spear. Now I'm thinking the guy two to his left. Oh, this guy. Oh, this guy. Yeah, that, yeah. Some kind of weird. It's a trident. That's also it looks a spear like. with like a barb on it. Yeah. 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 yeah it, it it looks like a trident. Suggesting you know one of the kings of the sea. Remember, three of these guys are Numenorians. Um. I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah, I. I this, I'm this, really glad he's done this. I mean, think think forward to the. Um, Lord of the Rings now, you know, years later when people watch this first and the Lord of the Rings second, this is going to be, a, you know, memorable. They're going to know who these guys are, which is kind of cool. Also, they look way cooler here than they did in the Lord of the Rings. Oh, yeah. Yes. Well, that's my biggest question about this is they look very solid. Well, it's going to make it hard for people to dress up as them for Halloween. But... Uh, well, yeah, that's certainly true. Um, yeah, they kind of, they, they kind of, um, for Lord of the Rings, they sort of the, the, the sort of the the image of the Nazgul is a little more slavishly um, true to the books, and sort of the description right. given of them in the books is just sort of these like kind of old wispy looking old guys, the pale king, etc. And, and now they've this time around they've just decided to go hog wild and like let's just make them look all wear all kinds of interesting. Well, it's like they did with the dwarves, you know, they had to make them yeah. distinct. Now they maybe have bios, you know, it'd be interesting to see if they have bios of them all. Well, this this answers <laughs> a riddle though. They, oh, yeah. What will they be doing? They're not dredging the river for They're rings. They're not dredging the river That's for right. rings. They're, They're not over. beating curtains in in in, uh, in Baradur. Yeah. They hang together as a group. Where one goes, all go. <clears throat> and they're clearly at Dog Uldur. Interrupting. Which actually, where one goes, all go is actually a little bit different. Well, in the Fellowship of the Ring, they don't. He yeah, they do there. split up. But, um, uh, yeah, so so now several people are suggesting <clears throat> uh are we getting basically a Galadriel's eye view of this? You know, that is they look solid to Galadriel. Um, you know, and maybe even to Gandalf. And of course Sandra was pointing out that both of these people in the middle do in fact have rings of power. Um uh, so you know, is and I will be interested to see if a big deal is made of that because remember we saw the Witch King um, when he attacked Radagast, and he still right. looked very ghostly, far more ghostly than this. Um, this does seem to me a different view. Um, uh, but um, but on yeah. the other hand, probably chosen less based on principled reasons. Like okay, probably you know probably there was not a conversation of like. Well, how should we present them? Well, we should think carefully about how you know the fact that they have rings of power now. They see them, and more based on what's going to look awesome here. Well, you <laughs> oh, know, Crit Vic, One can do both. <laughs> One can do both. Um, uh, yeah. So, of course, as Pete points out, uh, Elrond shows up with his ring as well. But boy, yeah, it's true. You know, the four of them, and like poor Saruman is the only one without a ring of power. I mean, man, talk about not having a date to the prom, right? I mean, he's like the fourth wheel in this whole thing. That's um, true. Oh boy, how bitter is he? Um, yeah, Maybe that's but, the whole point. Maybe he's trying to get Gandalf's ring from him. Yeah. Yeah. Huh? 
We'll see. Now, I agree with uh, uh, Carita that uh, she says it, it bothers me a little bit that in all the scenes of Goadriel, she's on the ground and looking for all the world like a damsel in distress. I agree. Yeah. And of course, we talked about that. I hated that in the tapestry. Um, you know, and we get this is the one we saw in the trailer before. What is that? Saruman? Yes, that is Saruman in the background. I was in the like, background? I was like, is he fighting? Well, yeah, I was like, where did Casper the Friendly Ghost come from all of a sudden? But <laughs> no, you can see his staff right there, right? It's, oh, clear, yeah, yeah. it's clearly Saruman. Or, you know, it's not, it's like Christopher Lee's body double in the background. Um, That's right. And then Elrond looking extremely threatening. Yes, I love that. I mean, the, what we're going to get of Elrond in this is going to be, you know, like serious action yes. figure stuff. Yes. And then we... Okay. All right. So is this Galadriel clinging to Elrond's leg? Looks like it, doesn't it? Oh, is this where he's, this is where he says, leave Sauron to me. I will deal with him myself. Yes, exactly. Yes. Which, um, is, which is my favorite. I think that might be my favorite part. One of my favorite parts of this trailer. Yes. I, I don't understand Galadriel here. It does look like, because see here, she's like minding her own business, hanging out with Gandalf, having a moment, which is being rudely interrupted by the Nazgul, to whom she's not paying a lick of attention. And then we see her like, I'm going to kiss Gandalf's brow while Saruman apparently fights in the background. But um, and Elrond comes in from the side. But I'm just going to hang out here on the ground doing basically nothing. And then even after Elrond comes in, I'm just going to stay on the ground over here because I'm fine. Um, I don't understand what. Remember, we were we were arguing, or not arguing, but we were discussing about whether or not um, Galadriel is going to come in with like armor and a sword, <clears throat> or whether she's just going to be, you know, <clears throat> all magical, or even whether she's going to do, you know, do the full Luthien. Right, not, right. None of us ever envisioned that she'd spend all of her time lounging uh, in Dol Guldur. You know, that she would just sort of wilt on the ground and lie there the whole time. Uh, I'm, I'm, I agree with Carita. Really I'm not liking this. But we keep hearing that she's going to do awesome stuff. I mean, I just don't under, I don't, I'm not getting the visual of that statement. Yeah, I'm not either. I mean, Elrond looks like he's just stooping over her here. Right? right. I mean, his, his posture looks like he, he had just been bent over and is turning around to look at, at Saruman. Um, whether he's looking at... I don't see Gandalf's body. It looks like she's just kind of hanging out here with her head on his knee. I, I can't even see what's going on there. Um, oh, look, she's conscious. She can move her hand. Okay, well, that's good. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, and then you get Sauron. Flaming a, Sauron. Flaming Luminal. Sauron, yeah. Um... <clears throat> Okay. All right, then we get my favorite uh, background again, and then we get Bilbo throwing a rope down from the top of the wall and jumping down over the broken statue and heading out towards Dale. And Dwalin looking really soulful as he's never done in the film at this point. Um, Okay. um, Yeah. uh, By by the way, before we 
return totally to this. Lincoln has a really good point. Lincoln Alperin says, I love how Saruman's leave Sauron to me points to so much speculation you guys have already done without definitively answering any questions. Is he corrupted already? Is this how he becomes corrupted? Is this a real fight or a show fight? Absolutely, Lincoln. Those are all my questions, that's too. That's exactly um, why that's one of my favorite scenes. And in fact, I'm disappointed. I mean, I meant to, to actually bring that up to, for discussion here, although, like he says, we've discussed it already. And it doesn't yeah. really answer any questions. No, because you could see it going any way, right? You oh, could yeah. see him yep. being like, leave Sauron to me, and then he like goes off and everyone's like, oh, Saruman is so brave and dreamy going off to fight Sauron. And then he goes around the corner and he and Sauron like exchange a friendly handshake and they're like, okay, on to stage two of the plan, right? I mean, like that could totally right. happen. Or and on the other hand, he could still be earn- in earnest. Yeah, he could. And not corrupted yet. He could. He could be being not corrupt but merely foolish. And, uh, and... You know, yeah, and yeah, this could be this could be the moment when he, you know, sort of is turned or gets tempted or who knows. Yeah, it's it could go in a bunch of different ways. It's very tantalizing. Um. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Daniel uh, Bear points out that uh, Thorin must be really mad if even Dwalin thinks he's crazy. Um, yes, Dwalin does not have the highest standards of uh, of reasonable behavior, and yet. Uh, uh, even, you know, he's that that glimpse of you know, this face from Thorin is uh, pretty pronounced, right? Here he is standing in the gold um, looking a lot like Thror from the first film in this in this shot Oh yeah, oh yeah, really? With, I hadn't thought of that, yeah. that's right Yeah, he's clearly looking up, just like remember how he was hiding, you know young Thorin was hiding in the shadows looking down at Thror you know, walking amongst his piles of gold, and he's now looking up at somebody looking down at him in the midst of gold in the same way, right? So you've got the pretty obvious parallel there. Um, and then, wait, I'm forgetting what's he, what is he saying here? Everything I did, oh, I did for them. Everything I did, I did for them. Um, for whom? Like, Kiwi, with whom he's exchanging an affectionate snuggle? Um, the dwarf, you know, his followers in general? Um, this seems to be clearly rationalization um, uh, on Thorin's part that is, you know, he's rationalizing you know, his poor decisions here Um, Brianna thinks that line sounds very like uh, Fiwi and Kiwi just died Um, uh, he's not in armor though they're not going to die before the final battle, are they? Well, we'll come back to that. But anyway, okay, so this, I assume, is right when they returned from Lake Town. So, you know, he thought that Kiwi was dead or whatever. So this is like, oh, you're okay after all, Kiwi. They're not going to be... They're they're not going to be exchanging Eskimo kisses pretty soon, but uh, apparently this has got to be the reunion. Um, um, and I don't mean to make fun of this. This is, this, this is really adorable. I mean, I find this legitimately adorable. So, uh, um, yeah. I don't know. Okay. Everything I did, I did for them. And then we get the army of elves in front of the... So now this is threatening. This is like who comes armed as if for war to the gates of Thor and son of Thor and son of Thor. Like, um, not I'm looking out over the refugee camp in Dale. Um, I love the view of the gaping uh, smog-shaped hole in the wall around the gate where Smaug broke into Erebor and first the way that that looks, you know, uh, and it's patched up by the little wall that they've made. 
I think that looks really cool. You know, the the how how it's mostly intact, but it has this gaping hole at the beginning. I, I think that's this, it's a really neat visual effect. Now he doesn't actually say the "it's war" line here, but this is obviously the scene from that. So this is from the the parley. Thranduil and Gandalf. Now, earlier somebody, and it was a long time ago, sorry, I don't remember whom, um, was um, uh, was saying that Thrand- this scene with Thranduil and Gandalf suggests uh, pretty clearly to them that Thranduil is the one who is unquestionably in charge of the um, of the army, and you know he's kind of bossing Gandalf around and marginalizing Gandalf here, so that he is unlikely to be. Uh, you know, yielding to Bard as the... Okay, Sandra, that was you. Yeah. Um, so, Sandra was taking this as evidence that it's clearly Thranduil and not Bard who is in charge of this army. Uh, that would seem to be right, especially since we have yet to see, other than Bard, any humans in arms in this trailer or this sequence, right? And we have an army of elves. We haven't been given an, a combined army of elves and humans. We've just been given a an army of elves that also has Bard wandering around in it, looking uh, looking uh, um, out of place on the back of a horse next to a huge moose. Um, anyway, um, here's Gandalf looking concerned. He's clearly been trying to talk Thranduil out of attacking the dwarves. Um, the way that they're doing Thranduil, I think it's... I'm, I, I have high hopes for this. I might be disappointed, but I have really high hopes for the way in which they seem to be paralleling this sort of madness and obsession of Thranduil and Thorin. Um, I really like that. Um, and I, I, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how that works out uh, in the film and how that gets resolved. I mean, we've been talking a lot about Thorin's trajectory and where he's going to end up and you know how this is going to bring us to uh his deathbed in the end where does thranduil's trajectory end up i would be uh really interested to uh uh to to i i i'll be fascinated to see where that goes um yeah yeah um, Sandra's pointing out how, of course, Thranduil, Thranduil appears to blame Gandalf for all this. Um, you know, which, yes, it was his plan. You know, he has been endorsing this all along and setting up the dwarves and a dwarf army to retake Erebor, which seems to be something that Thranduil doesn't approve of. Um, who's shooting? Are those dwarves? Yep. Firing awesome ballistas. Yeah. Almost as cool as uh, as the Lego version. Yeah, almost. Also, what exactly is this? So this is a volley of arrows being fired by elves, right? Yes. What is this supposed to accomplish? <laughs> well, okay. Are they, are they shooting those toward the mountain or toward no. dwarves coming from They're a different not. direction? They've turned. See, so w- w- what we had was... Here, they're facing the mountain, right? They seem to be formed up uh, against the mountain, laying siege to the mountain. Um, Then, by the time we get out here, the army has turned and is now facing to the right, up the hill. Um, 
Of course, the trailer is inviting us to imagine that these two are firing at each other. That may or may not be so. But if so, this is the beginning of the Battle of Three Armies here. You know, yep. this is this is the dwarves right. coming down from the from from the hills in the north, them firing off their ballistas into the elf army and you know into the close packed ranks of the of the elves down here. The elves uh, layout here is pretty clear. You've got the long rows of the elven spearmen here in the front, and then you've got see all those arrows are coming from these middle ranks here, which are their archers. So you've got the spearmen on either side of the archers there. Um, that all makes sense. Uh, it does make it look like battle is going to be actually engaged between the elves and the dwarves, which is good because I predicted that. Um, <laughs> notice that we have here people looking out over in the daylight now. We have the same view of Dale in the background. This looks like Fili and this looks like Thorin looking out over their battlements. Who's this riding? Is that Gandalf? Hmm. Looks like Gandalf. He's carrying a staff. I think he's carrying a staff. Do you see the staff there above his head? Seems to be, maybe. Yeah. And he's riding a white horse, which is like the horse that Gandalf is riding. Where is it? Here? That's Gandalf too, isn't it? Anyway. Um... So I don't know, you know, if this is an emissary returning, maybe it's Bard. Maybe it's Bard going back home after talking to them through the hole in the bottom of the wall. Yeah, after the Pyramus and Thisbe moment. Not sure. Um, but uh, anyway. Now, hey, look, humans, you can tell by the funny hats. Okay, so now we have a we have a legitimate group of humans formed up with weapons. You can tell because they have like, you know, harpoons and uh, other not very good weapons. And this person does neither looks well prepared for. Does this person does not look well prepared for war really in any sense, right? Um. The humans are clearly a ragtag lot here, and there's Gandalf in front of them. We've got the helmets, we've got the spears. This guy, who looks vaguely uh, like um, Eric Idle, um, does uh, just kind of looks a little surprised and shocked by the whole thing. Um, and I don't know what we're supposed to be getting here in the background of this scene. I love again. I I, I love the composition. You know, you've got the two armies facing each other in battle. Then you've got Thorin on the battlements, and Gandalf and the humans in the background. So it's it's you've got them serving as like a frame. So we've got the immediate confrontation of the elves and dwarves on the battlefield, and then framed by Thorin looking down from above on the scene, and then Gandalf looking down from the other side with the refugees of Lake Man, of Lake Town. I think that that's I think that that's pretty cool, actually. It sort of lays out the whole situation there. And then here's Bilbo attempting to reason with Thorin, right? Um, telling them that he is... And the, the the fragment that we get here is this has been him saying, you know, like if they're choosing between this and death, you know, like I, I'm forgetting his actual words. What does he say? What can anyone do? What can anyone do? Right. Right. When, when you're facing death, what can anyone do? Um... 
And again, it seems to be like a justification for the way they're attacking them. Like, I will maybe, not hide. Maybe others fight our... Thorin saying they're, you know, like they were attacking. You know, he's trying to justify it by saying that they're under attack or something and then saying that, you know, Bilbo trying to defend them. Um, it's interesting here. Of course, this confrontation is interesting, which I sort of expected, right? When faced with death, what can anyone do is, is the exact line. Um, uh, it's, it's interesting in that, um, or wh- where does he hang on? Is this in the mountain or is this in Dale? Who is he trying to reason with? Is it Thorin or is it Thranduil? And what is going on in the background? Yeah, there are fires, but are those fires in Dale, like in the refugee camp, or is it... This it doesn't does... look like... Uh, he's definitely not in the mountain. He I'm can't declaring be. it. He can't be. Not in the mountain. He's, he appears to be standing on top of the giant flaming trash heap from the uh, band. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, um, I think it must be Dale. And he looks like he's he's a little worse for wear. He does, and Pete is pointing out, Pete Richards is pointing out that he's wearing his mithril coat, which is a good observation, so that does place it in time. Is this in the battle, then? The line that he delivers sounds like he's trying to reason either with Thorin or, like, basically he's trying to reason with one side or the other to prevent them from fighting, is what it sounds like. You know, to try to get them to see things from the point of view of the opposite side. Um, but, uh... But his face, the dirt on his face, dirt and or blood, I mean, it could be dried orc blood, too, you know, on his face, and his mithril coat, and the general flames of battle which you know you know maybe that's maybe that's um maybe it suggests he's in the battle because if we go back to the bilbo sneaking out scenes which were just here that's at night right he sneaks out at night and i don't know if he returns or not um but it's not the immediate you know conversation that's going to follow his going to the camp to hand over the Arkenstone. Right. Um, I don't know. It's snowing. Snow is falling. And we've seen other battle pictures with the snow falling. Right? Yep. Um, maybe, you know, I, Tim, I like your idea. Tim is saying maybe he's uh, explaining his Arkenstone heist to Gandalf or Bard or Thranduil. Maybe. Uh, you know, maybe this is him. That, oh, that is true. Why would you betray your comrades? Right. Right. What I still don't get is why would he only be having this conversation the next day and during the battle when uh, he, you know, sneaked over there during the night? I don't know. But um, I don't get this shot at all. <laughs> It's just like a shot of... It's just sort of scenic, I guess. Atmosphere. Craggy rocks. Is that over banners, or is that rock? It's rock. I think it's all... It's rock. It's all rock. Yeah, yeah, those are... Yeah, these things you mean. Yeah, no, they're... Yeah. It's kind of... It kind of suggests banners. Okay, we get the troll mobile catapults, which I love. I love the troll mobile catapults. That's a brilliant idea. Yeah. Um, 
uh, who's these are the, so this is the goblin armies coming over the hill right and then they are followed yep. by the troll mobile catapults which okay. are pretty cool which are pretty cool and then we get what is clearly a refugee camp but notice this is the refugee this is the lake so this is still the refugee camp by the lake this is old news is that oh wait is that is that Legolas riding in or is that Gandalf it's Legolas because there's Toriel behind him there are two people on that horse and I see bouncy red hair right I think it's Legolas and Toriel coming into the refugee camp uh yeah I think yeah. so um Okay, so we've got the refugee camp. We've got lots of, like, flotsam from the town, right, that has been brought in. A lot of it is just wreckage. Um, what, a, what an interesting scene to juxtapose in the middle. We've got the, you know, uh, you know, the line... What was the line again? Uh... I'm forgetting. Oh, uh, no, I'm forgetting the line. Oh, yeah, when faced with death, what can anyone do? Um, uh, um, and then we get our atmospheric scene. Then we get the. He's so stoic when he delivers that line, too. Yes. Even so matter of fact, well, you know, I mean, what am I supposed to do? I'm, I'm faced with death. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And then we get the refugee camp. Just as you think about the visual juxtapositions in the trailer, right? Just like we got the the dwarves shooting their giant ballistas and the elves, you know, letting loose that volley of arrows from their ranks, um, showing, you know, not necessarily, those aren't necessarily actually pointed towards each other, but again, the trailer is showing that, is suggesting that. So here we get the very intimidating advance of the goblin and troll army juxtaposed against the helpless refugee camp of the, of the people of Lake Town, right? Clearly, we're seeing this as a as a lopsided thing. This clearly makes Thorin look bad again. And then here's Thorin strolling around. Yes, Thorin, your hall is deserted. Yes, like, things are a wreck for you. Yes, you're not even wearing armor yet. But they were ju- we were just looking at the refugee camp, and F- Kiwi is really mad. Um, other people are fighting for us. Um, that's an angry face right there, um, and uh, yes. look at the and the rest of them are still they're they're doing that like I am looking really disapproving thing that they were doing in that other group shot that we were looking at earlier. Um, um, I'm curious to know where do you think this is happening? Is this happening? Is this happening where? The other, the other dwarf army is confronting the elves and Lake Town uh, humans, or is this is this happening um, during the Battle of Five Armies? I don't know. They're not wearing plate mail, which no. seems to be the the end game, you know, um, for the dwarves. Um, but. Uh, But um, here's the thing I still don't understand. Um, there's so much I don't understand about the sequence of how things are going to work in the films. Based on the shots that we've gotten, I don't know how to put them all together. Um, we've seen. I love how you st- where you stopped on that face. That's a perfect freeze frame there. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, this is this is this is a great feely face. 
Kiwi face, excuse me. Um, Kiwi. I don't know why I keep wanting to call him Kiwi. I've done that several times during today's Hard, show. They look so much alike. Uh, yeah, exactly, yeah. Almost indistinguishable. But um, but anyway, I, um, I, there, there are at least... I mean, think of all the different segments we've been given, right? The thing, like, sequences that we've been shown. We've been shown fighting goblins on Ravenhill. Like, Bolg and other guys, uh, other, other orcs on Ravenhill. We've been shown that, like, trip down the side of the mountain in that large, peculiar vehicle in which the dwarves were not wearing their plate mail armor. Um, and with wargs there, right? We've gotten scenes of them fight, you know, of, of battle happening between orcs and people in Dale, especially Thranduil by himself. Um, and we've gotten these charges of the dwarves over the ridge on their battle goats and the uh, elves with their bowmen in the valley. Um... I don't know. I mean, I don't know what were, um, how those things all fit together and the see the order in which they all work. Um, so I have a really hard time, Dave, trying to think of the, the construction of that in this way. Yeah. Um, and you would think that, it's hard to imagine that Keeley is just thinking of the dwarves from the Iron Hills. True. I don't know. Maybe maybe this is the lead up to the final charge. You know, maybe this is Keeley encouraging Thorin to make the final charge. Um, it's hard not to think that Toriel is involved here. You know, that... I mean, that Kiwi is the spokesperson seems pretty conspicuous. Um, you know, if he's thinking about Toriel and or the Wood Elves, possibly just Toriel, I don't know. Because um, I don't know what Toriel and Legolas are doing up on cliff sides watching bats fly over them either. Um, then we get back to Lake Town and Bard with his bow falling off of roofs in Lake Town. You know, I wonder if he's going to shoot the dragon after all this. It, I, I don't know. I don't know. When you say you wonder, you wonder with the know, dragon. Think not going to shoot it. Well, no. Thinking oh, like you mean with the bow and arrow. Yeah, with the bow and arrow as opposed to the ballista. Um, well, we certainly all certainly everything we always see is of him with the bow and arrow, not with the giant metal shaft. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, then we get this shot of the Master and Alfred <clears throat> looking really remarkably calm walking through Lake Town. Um, they're probably just glad they're not this guy up here. But, um... I mean, like, they barely even... Like, they look over their shoulders, but they're, they're not... And here's Alfred looking, like, personally aggrieved. I can't read their body language here. I mean, the facial expression of the master, he looks, you know, 
worried, but he's not walking like he's in a panic. He's strolling. I don't yeah, know. They kind of look like they're slinking out. Yeah. But they're not running away. You couldn't call that running away. They're not running. Um, they're 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 just beating a hasty exit. Yeah. Well, it didn't even look that hasty. I mean, here it, here it is in real time. <laughs> That's a stroll. I don't I don't understand. Yeah. But anyway, we'll see. That's uh, not nearly enough to go on. Okay. Kiwi and tutorial scene. I think he's giving him the... He's giving her that rock. It's got to be the rock, right? Yeah. It's got to be. It's got to be the rock token from his mom. Yeah. In which case, does that mean that this is the death scene of Kiwi? Oh. Or just prior, oh, or just prior to, like before he goes to battle or something. Is Kiwi... No, th- there's water in the background. Hang on, there's water. This must be his departure. He's leaving Lake Town and going uh, back up to the mountain. And he gives okay. Toriel the point. token because he thinks he's never going to see her again. She doesn't look like he's dying here. No. no. I'm not sure what face she was trying to pull. I don't find it. He's like, oh, that's really sweet, successful. but I really only think of you as a friend. Right. I didn't really think of you as a... I, 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 I wasn't really ready to take our relationship to the rock exchange uh, stage. Right. Um, I'm really uncomfortable with this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, She's like, I'm... I don't know if you realize this, but we're standing on a town amidst the lake. I'm going to lose this. I'm going to drop. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. I, I, right. I, it's just a rock, dude. Yeah. Anyway, so um, it's got to be. I mean, th- this has got to be. This this can't be his death scene because he's not going to die near a body of water, right? Clearly. No, right, 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 right. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but he may think he's, well, I don't even know if he knows he's going into battle, actually. Right. Why would he? Yeah. I mean, he knows the dragon's dead, presumably, right? Yeah. Um, this is Bilbo. Brief, very brief shot of Bilbo in Dale. Is this him stealing away with the... Uh, oh. And bats. Never mind. Bats. So we get Bilbo... And then Bats... That's interesting. Okay. If this is the beginning of the battle, then Bilbo is in Dale when the battle starts, which helps to make sense of that apparently battle-soiled Bilbo making that speech about, uh, you know, facing death in what looks like Dale. Because he's in Dale, in daylight, and the Bats come in. Now we get really angry Thranduil. And I have to say... Who is he angry at here? This has got to be Toriel, right? Is this Toriel? Yeah, it's got to be. Yeah, Boy, I think it is. It almost looks like he... Did, did he actually take a swipe? Yeah, no, he clearly did. He Now, he missed on purpose, obviously. You know, he, like, swooshed her hair with his sword. But that's relatively threatening. Um, yeah. And you can tell... The eyebrows are angry here. These are angry eyebrows, and uh, <laughs> uh, it, it's it's. I, I think the eyebrows look really great in this. Um, 
he's... Um, do we have an answer to the question here about uh, does Toriel oppose him openly or not? It kind of looks like she's opposing him openly, or at least that's how that's he's interpreting a, it. Or do we get a sense that she's, like, come in front? Like, was he maybe threatening somebody that she's shielding him from? That's maybe a reach. I don't know. I don't know. Is this just her confronting him after he feels like she has betrayed him, or is she in the act of doing something that he takes to be a betrayal in the moment? Um, I don't know. I mean, if there's one thing I understand less than the sequence of battle events as we've been given glimpses of them in trailers, it's still what the heck Thranduil is doing fighting orcs one-on-one in, you know, solo in in Dale. Um, Oh, yeah. Maybe she just snuck up on him. Uh, well, after he just got done dispatching some more. So <laughs> like, maybe, don't do that! <laughs> maybe they're trying to suggest, um, yeah, maybe they're trying to suggest descent in the ranks, but really the very next shot after this is him, is, is, is him, his face changing relief and saying, oh, phew, it was you, Toriel. Man, I almost took your head off. Right. Right, right. She's holding her sword in a high but guard no, position. No, there's someone in the background there. If you go back a little bit, in the lower left-hand corner... No, you don't have to go that far back. Lower left-hand corner. Yeah. See that? Okay, so there's a guy behind Thranduil. But now I'm looking. This is her arm, right? And that's her sword? Mm-hmm. So she's holding her go- either her sword at a high guard or parrying. If it's a parry, it's an ineffective parry. That is a sword, right? Not a bow? I don't know what that is. I guess it's a sword. Is it an arrow? What is that red thing on it? Is that fletching? Is this an arrow, actually? It looks like an arrow. It does. Oh, okay, right. So this would be a bowstring and her arm holding the bowstring with the fletching down by her hand. It looks like he deflected an arrow. Jeez. Okay, actually, I'm coming around to... um, uh, to whose theory? Kim's theory. Uh, Kimberly... Right. Actually, no, several people were saying this. Okay. Um, Ryan said it first that it looked like... Oh, no. And Pete, too. Actually, everybody's saying this. It's, we're the slow ones here. That, <laughs> popular opinion. Right. That he seems to be knocking... He's, he, she's got a bow drawn, and he is either, like, cutting the bow or knocking it out of her hand. Oh, okay. And that's why we see the arrow w- with the string still near it here, sort of spinning off to the side. And the whoosh of her hair is just bonus material. So he's actually disarming her. So if she is here with arrow knocked to bow pointing... What doesn't look like it's pointing at him, but it's pointing in his direction. Um, I think we may have an answer to our uh, riddle. Uh, Tariel's drawing her bowstring on on her king. That sounds like open opposition to me. Yeah, it certainly does. Yeah, yeah, and he's not pleased at all. And then we get Azog in armor with his awesome sword attachment. Though this juxtaposition is interesting, Azog, because notice, and this is <clears throat> this this trailer has been really well visually balanced, right? We get Thranduil attacking from the left hand side, and then Azog charging from the right hand side. 
right? Wow. With the two of them like symmetrical and making a similar kind of face, um, though Azog has his mouth open and he doesn't. But but then again, Thranduil's eyebrows are so much more impressive. Um, but anyway, uh, we get. Um, so I mean, you know, so you, you've got sort of the balance there between the two of them. They're coming in from opposite sides, suggesting, of course, that they're on, they're you know, that they're opposed to each other. But yet, there's a kind of there's a, like a kind of mirror reflection too. Like this is what Thranduil looks like on the inside, um, which I think is, you know, and and that's all we get. We only get Azog just to have him charging up and. By the way, we don't see any hint in Thranduil's face in that clo- in that close of him with with Tariel of of that that like scarring that we saw come and go. Yeah. The people were asking about that. Sorry. I skipped that because we were, uh, I was too, too busy being slow on the uptake about her bow. Um, (laughs) yeah, this business on his cheek. So questions were, does, is he, does he have blood splashed on his cheek or is this like a little bit of dragon burn showing through? Um, the dragon burn was on his left cheek in the first film. And I, I, I thought his right cheek was still whole when we saw that flash in the first film. Um, uh, Timothy and Peter suggesting it might be blood or mud, respectively. Oh, that seems yeah. likelier. Um, it seems likelier. But it's hard not to remember the whole dragon burn thing. Um, uh, yeah, exactly. Tim Vischer is saying he loves how uh, Azog's breastplate looks like the horns of Barad Dur. Uh, that's pretty cool. Oh, that's true. That's true. Now, um, where's this? This looks like Thorin. Doesn't that look like Thorin? <laughs> like, sure. <laughs> it's uh, hard to tell. It is hard uh, to tell. Yeah. <laughs> really, what that makes was me... the defining moment right there yeah the defining moment is this scene that we can't identify anything in um, we've got a frozen waterfall so it's got to be near the mountain because that's where the ice is and that's where um, uh, and that's where the, you know, the river is coming from that and going down to the lake so we would have waterfalls uh, so the other thing that makes me think of Thorn is just the proportions here. He's got long hair and, and it doesn't look, it looks like a man, not a woman. And this, one of the motifs of this trailer all along has been Thorin standing by himself. Um, uh, so I voted it's dis. It's dis, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. She's actually just been standing here this whole time. Years and years. What? She's been Gabriel st- Wilson says there are wild theories that Thorne commits suicide. This is supposed to be the scene. Oh, oh give me a come break. on. No. Why? Well, I mean, I assume that these wild theories were inspired by this scene, right? By this yeah. shot in the trailer. That people looked at yeah. this and were like, oh my gosh, he's going to throw himself into the river. Um, yeah. Not buying it. No, I'm not buying it either. Um, not at all. Besides, Armistice has already talked about his dramatic death scene with Bilbo. Yeah, yeah. no, it, it's that's just that's just silliness. Okay. <laughs> and his his hair looks. Sandra's wondering if uh, 
Um, Thorne's hair is not that long, but see, no, it's only just past the shoulder there. So you can see it in that one moment. I, I, I'm thinking it's Thorin. It's Thorin. Thorin's got his sword drawn, and he's standing looking contemplatively. I mean, I like this scene just like as a visual shot. Um, you know, it's a, this contemplative moment, Thorin looking off into the light, but you've got this frozen wilderness all around him. Right. That's Ravenhill. Up here, right? Yeah, I'm assuming so. Now, who's this guy, and why does he get this FaceTime? That's what I don't understand. <laughs> we get, like... He's he's Azog's younger son. Who's yeah, this is clearly... Serious daddy issues. Yeah, this is like... that. He's like, hey, my daddy didn't get to jump over a parapet, so I'm gonna... Um, maybe, I don't know. This is Ravenhill. We're going to fight on Ravenhill. There's, we've got Bilbo ducking and somebody not Dwalin because he's got hair. Or is it Dwalin? Anyway, axing a dwarf. We've got Thorin jumping down and hacking goblins. We've got Azog fighting with Thorin, not in armor? Or Kiwi? Who is this? Well, here's where we get our first full view of Azog's sword attachment, which is pretty impressive. I, I can't get this... I can't get... This. I mean, is this... Are they fighting in Dale during the battle? Are they fighting on Ravenhill? I really don't know. Is he killing Keeley here? That seems entirely possible. Yeah, that's Keeley, isn't it? Yeah, I think it is. We we're, you can we're, tell by the, uh, Yeah, we by get a little bit of Aiden Turner, uh, uh, you know, uh, stubble there. Yeah, he's the only one with that stubble. So it's, this might be Azog killing Keeley. Oh, yeah, that could be. And is it taking place? It is up in... looks like it's well, up in uh, Raven Hill, right? See, I don't know. I mean, this looks like it's from, you know, here to here. This looks like Raven Hill, but this could be anywhere. We've got Azog and Thorin or possibly Keeley. You know, where? Yeah, I think that's Keeley. Jumping down. That could be Thorin. But it's it's the same sequence or not? I don't know. I don't know. I can't really guess. Kim and Ryan both think it's Thorin. Um, I agree that when I saw this part, I thought it was Thorin. Yeah. That looks like Thorin. The nose looks yeah. like Thorin. Hawk's <laughs> got his that giant. Um, uh, Klingon Batleth blade strapped yeah. to his arm. Yeah. Uh, then we segue to looking down at the burning of Lake Town. The what have we done sequence. Yeah. And Bard clinging by his arrow from the roof that he was hanging onto with his bow in his other hand. Now no. we look like Toriel over Kiwi's dead body. Right. 
But she's still at the water. Yeah. Hey, so so one thing, um, Corey, about the scene where they're over, they're looking at Lake Town. Yeah. Um, quite different from the book, right? In the book, they have no idea what happened. Correct. They're still they're still sitting in the dark in the tunnel. Because remember, yeah. they, they get in the tunnel and Smog smashes the door behind them and they stay there for like 36 hours or something. They have like a day and a half in the tunnel until finally they're like, um, we should explore or something. Um, but remember, Bilbo was watching Smog fly off at the end of the last film. So, I mean, they'd be able to see the lake from the mountain. Um... I mean, it's further away than this in the book, but you'd think they'd be able to see some sign of it. Um, I'm just, I'm just, I'm focusing on the juxtapositions here. We get, so forget where this is. We get Contemplative Thorin, goblins attacking and dwarves fighting them off, Dwarves desperately fighting Azog, looking at the destruction of Lake Town. Bard holding on by an arrow from the edge of a roof as Lake Town burns. Um, it's just, the juxtaposition is really interesting. It's not quite as good as the Destination of Smaug trailer, but I like it. So here's Bard climbing back up. He's still going to make his shot. And Toriel looking really sad. Is Fiwi dead? Uh-huh. Um, it's got to be Fiwi, right? Got to be. And here's Thorin, looking back up again now, a recap of that first shot. Now he's facing them, but with his arms held up in this, like, maniacal way. And then we get Toriel thrown against a pillar by Yeah, I'm Bolg. fascinated by that. Is that Bolg? That's, that's either Bolg or Azog. Is it's it Bolg? Bolg. Well, he's, Bolg. Got a, he's got a left hand. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's Bolg. It's, so... So this is Toriel and Legolas fighting Bolg. Oh man, that's gotta hurt. Yeah, um, uh, again, where are they? When does this happen? I don't know. A couple people have talked about the fact that um, the fact that it looks like there are two armies coming in. <clears throat> that you know, some people have suggested Bolg is leading an army of Gundabad orcs, and uh, and Azog is leading the army up from the south and from Dol Guldur. <clears throat> I don't. I mean, it, it, it may be. Uh, I haven't seen any evidence that proves that yet. We saw what we have seen is Bolg in charge of a contingent of of, of orcs, the ones that were chasing Thorin. So. <clears throat> like the, those who survived the barrel sequence, and only a few of those went into Lake Town with Bolg. Um, you know, he deliberately. You know, we we saw the scene where he he ordered only some of them to come with him into Lake Town. So we know he's got some others with him, but we have not yet been given any reason to think that those with Bolg are more than a you know a, a strike force. Um. 
but he's clearly not with Azog. So where this comes in, this has got to be, this has got to be, uh, um, Legolas and Toriel off by themselves. I mean, this can't be part of the main battle sequence, can it? I don't know. Hang on, we'll come back to Bolg in a second. Right, and there's Gandalf saying we have to choose how this day ends. Is this Gandalf, like, up on a rock talking to the two armies before they engage in battle? That seems the most logical, doesn't it? Like, it's his little, it's his version of a pep talk. Right, or his version, like, you know, when in the book he, you know, he pops up and he stops the armies from charging each other. Is this, is this the parallel to that, perhaps? Oh, it could be, yeah. Um, of him not commanding them, but making an appeal in somewhat kind of a piteous one. Notice, by the way, that we haven't talked about the dead Gandalf issue at all. We just, like, we were so fixated on, like, Galadriel swooning all over Dol Guldur that we never even talked about the apparently dead Gandalf issue. <laughs> just wanted to point that out. Um... Yeah, you know, we know Gandalf's going to make it. So. Well, it's really hard for me to draw up much concern. I mean, and and also hard for me to believe that uh, Peter Jackson's just going to toss in like an extra Gandalf resurrection, you know? Like, uh, you know, because Gandalf, he like dies and gets resurrected in pretty much every film sequence. So uh, let's do it again. I can't, I can't imagine yeah. that. Besides which, even more than anything else, what convinces me that that doesn't happen is the fact that he looks like crap in the rest of the, for the rest of the film. I mean, he looks all dirty and worn down for every other scene that we see him in, uh, in, in, uh, in the end of this film. This does not look like I am Gandalf. I have returned from the dead. You know, no, this looks like I am Gandalf and I am, have barely survived. Um, but, um, yeah, yeah, I, I think yeah, Ryan is saying, I wonder if they'll do something like Galadriel will heal Gandalf somehow. And that leaves her drained and helpless. Um, that's a good theory, Ryan. Uh, I, uh, that sounds somewhat plausible to me. Um, yeah, Brianna says there's a reoccurring theme of violence against Toriel in this trailer, juxtaposed with multiple shots of Galadriel on the ground. Uh, I think Brianna is building a general uh, 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 sort of anti-feminist case for this for this trailer. Uh, Brianna is how I is is is, is how I uh, take the drift of your of your of your comments there. Um, uh, yeah, we'll see if. Galadriel is swooning because of an act of like self-sacrifice. I will, uh, I will, I will forgive them for that. Um. But, okay, so Bolg again. Now we're back to Bolg. Here's Bolg and Legolas fighting in the Cavern of Solitude. Apparently, um, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know how they got there. So. Legolas is really mad because Bolg just threw his girlfriend against a pillar. But they don't look like they're in the same place. This is He's surrounded by rocks and ice. He's on like a rocky... Maybe they're up on top of somewhere. I mean, it, may, it could be the same place here. There are some rocks and snow. No ice. Um...
Legos looks like he's about to kill Bulg. That's really interesting, because we get here the moon rise over the mountain from an unburned lake town, and the glow of the of Smaug approaching through the mist. It's a really neat shot. Are we going to get people looking at it and like? I would I I would give serious props if they include like somebody from Lake Town looking out and pointing and saying that like the king under the mountain is forging gold or something along those lines. Um, you know, sort of the false optimism of the people of Lake Town before the dragon that attacks. Would, yeah, that, that would be great. I hope they do that. That would be pretty sweet. Um, still fighting with Thorin Kiwi, whoever this is, in the same place where they were fighting before. Now look at this. Look at this. Goblins and people from Lake Town carrying like pitchforks and yeah, not looking too good for them. Yeah, so clearly the men of Lake Town have no army. Um, that's very plain. And again, I would say this is another place where the movie's story is actually more coherent than the books because the when you actually think about it like this 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 makes sense the army of lake town doesn't make like, where did they get their did they save their weapons and armor from the town before it burned like when they fled the town in boats did they take all their weapons and armor with them maybe they did but it seems a little more likely that under the circumstance with the dragon attacking in the middle of the night and burning the whole, the the ground, I mean, we're told even the people who are actually in arms and fighting threw their weapons down before they fled. Um, so um, the fact that we have uh, you know largely un you know, totally unarmored and 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 pretty much unarmed refugees trying to fight off goblins seems to be much uh, much more likely outcome. Here's the runaway cart sequence where we had Bard barreling down in a cart, uh, apparently towards his own children before, remember? Right, right. Now right. we get an explanation. He was, in fact, running over a troll, goblin, whatever this is. Yeah, so, thing. Okay. Though, again, sequencing I don't understand. And then it all ends with the ring and Bilbo putting on the ring. Now, he's in battle. He's got the same dirt on his cheek. He's wearing his mithril coat. He's in Dale, presumably. Right? Yep. Uh, it looks to me like he's about to plunge into the fray. Right. I know we had, we had when we had seen this shot earlier, we had interpreted it as, like, he's looking reluctant to use the ring and feeling suspicious and all that. But real, to me, it looks like what he's doing is taking a deep breath, putting the ring on, and then, and then sprinting into the middle of, like, danger. Okay, can I tell you what I hope happens? Okay. What, what I hope happens, what I hope is happening here, is that he's looking at the ring suspiciously and putting it on, not to enter the battle, but to run away from it. And that okay. he then has has a change of heart and takes the ring off and charges into battle. Interesting. Symb- symbolically, that's what I'm hoping for. Um. The, Gabriel was thinking that this troll is the same one who jumped over the parapet. I don't think he's as cute as the other one. 
This guy's much uglier than that other guy. He yeah, I, I don't know. Is that the same guy? He he. I mean, the other guy looked like Azog's preschool son. Um, this guy looks like Azog's dirty uncle. Um, I don't. I don't think. I don't think that's quite. I don't think it's the same. Proportions seem different too. It looks like a sigh when he puts the ring on, and just you can just see him in one frame start to vanish. That's cool. There you go. Is the one frame of Bilbo semi-visible? Um, yeah, he looks a little relieved and happy putting the ring on, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Um. Oh, I know I'm burying this at the end of a three-hour episode, but um, <laughs> there's a there's a something that we've. I've been meaning to say for a long time. Uh, we have to go on the record. Uh, like Tolkien used that phrase. That is, Tolkien used the second the, the Battle of the Five Armies. Oh, he did? That's actually authoritative, yeah. Um, it's oh, not in the book. I mean, uh-huh. everyone objects to it because throughout the book, throughout The Hobbit, it's called the Battle of Five Armies um, in the text. But Tolkien was not consistent with that. And he does refer to it as the Battle of the Five Armies in the appendix. Um, we and, and there's one of one of his Dang other it. introductory notes that he where he re- alludes to it that way. So, there so is, now I need to send Peter Jackson an apology letter. Well, it is... Uh, it is well, I'm uh, glad you buried that at the end. Yeah, so, um, so... It's still a stretch, though, isn't it? Yeah, um, well, yes, um... Uh, I still wouldn't have called the movie that because, you know, throughout the book it's called The Battle of Five Armies, um, including the moment where, uh, you know, the narrator says the battle was called The Battle of Five Armies, you know. Um, but um, but anyway, it's not as totally out, of, out, out of there. Line. Not that yeah. I think that Jackson was, like, combing through the appendices and finding this the and opting for it for that reason. But it kind of takes the wind out of your sails a little bit when you want to ridicule it, because. It's... And anyway, so now we end with my favorite scene of the glow of burning Lake Town, and cinders in the air again. Yeah, yeah, nice backdrop. That'd make a nice uh, wallpaper, actually. It would. Yeah. We come full screen, just like the banner. Exactly. Begins and ends with fire. With fire, yes. Do you think this? The glowing red embers of something on fire here is the 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 um the the landfill from the band. <laughs> the landfill, yeah, exactly. That's actually what it is. Um, yeah, it's the uh, it's the it's the the landfill with the old Dalek in it that's on fire. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's it. It's really the subtext of the entire not not only the entire trailer but really the entire film. Uh, it's kind of a metaphor uh, of the whole thing. Very, very obscure <laughs> metaphor. Okay, and that's it. So, see, look at that. We How finished we in only we two and a half hours. So that Not was, bad. That well, was, gee, we have plenty of time to... It's you know. the height of efficiency. Um, we won't presume upon your patience for too much longer. Um, a couple quick announcements. Um, first, uh, I, I, a quick reminder that we have... 
uh, episode three, episode three, class three of the Watership Down class, the the Mythgardic, current Mythgardic Academy class. Um, we're doing the first half of book two of Watership Down tonight, uh, actually nine thirty p.m. Um, so I hope that uh, you know. And if you've never had, if you've never read Watership Down, or if you've only seen the film and were traumatized by it as a child, I strongly, strongly urge you to read the book. It's one of my very favorite books in the whole world. Um, and uh, this class has been really, really fun. So I'm really looking forward to class tonight. Um, and I definitely invite you to uh, uh, to, to join in. Another reminder um, is that Mythmoot is coming closer and closer. We've had... Uh, um, you know, we've we've definitely sort of entered our second wave. We always, you know, with these waves, have people who register early, and then you know, people who, uh, you know, the, sort of the second wave yeah. of people who start registering as we get closer to the event, and you know, that's been starting to happen. It's 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 time now, everybody. If you've been putting it off so far, it's time to register for Mythmoot. Um, it's going to be a, a lot of fun. We'll have, uh, um, you know, we'll have. We'll be talking about that, um, you know, in some more detail later on. But yeah, we'll um, be getting into more detail, especially about the VIP guests with some yes. more detail. But we can't say who they're going to be, which yeah, is our absolutely. own Go Amy ahead. Sturgis. Go ahead. Yeah, um, yeah, our own Amy Sturgis. You know, who's who's our who's our kind of I have her in my mind as my sci-fi speculative fiction queen. Yes. Um, and uh, the main thing right now I need to do is get together with her and you know get a little bit of a teaser from her about what she plans to talk about, which I'm sure is going to be terrific. And then we have Chris Pearson and probably a group from uh, Lord of the Rings Online to talk about the sub-creating that they've done in that game, uh, which, of course, will be accompanied by much uh, game-playing around Mythmoot, I'm sure, of Lord of the Rings Online. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I, I've just been I, I've been uh, really fascinated by uh, the, uh, the whole sub-creative effort of Lord of the Rings Online and the care with which Chris Pearson is the guy who's really... Um, you know, he's the he's the senior lore monkey at Lotro. He's the guy who really, um, you know, sort of uh, trains most of the other um, you know people who work on their content and and, and art and stuff in um, you know the, the you know the 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 Tolkien material. Um, he's his, what he primarily does. Is he doesn't write the storylines. What he does is 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 the actual world building. You know, deciding. What should things look like? What are the cultures going to be like? What kind of towns and cities should they be putting in? You know, what, um, you know, so, so it's, he's the one whose job it has been to say like, okay, we're going to, sh- we're going to make the greater, you know, Enuminous Lake Evendim area open for people to explore. What should it look like? What kind of people would live there? What should the towns be like? You know, what, uh, what kinds of stuff should go on there? Um, that's the kind of thing that that um, that Chris Pearson does, and of course he's been. You know, the uh, the game has just moved into Gondor. They just released the uh, the battle at the, at uh, Pilargir um, segment of their of their game. So the the game has progressed into South Gondor. I know he's spending all of his time now in Gondor and Minas Tirith, uh, working on building that uh, for the game world. So what a job! Yeah. What a job! Yeah. You know, which actually is the perfect segue into our next announcement, which is, you know, you hear Corey talk about how much he admires what Lotro is doing. It's not from afar. Yes. He's actually in the game now. It's no longer from afar. I've been I've been admiring it from afar for a while. But uh, but uh, in late months, I have uh, uh, begun exploring it because I, you know, after seeing after hearing Chris talk and hearing, you know, seeing how much there is to think and talk about um, with the, the the work of adaptation that they're doing in Lord of the Rings Online. Um, I did start playing a few months ago, um, and uh, we have started a 
<clears throat> a Mythgard kinship on Lotro. So we want to invite yeah. people uh, to sort of join with us. We're going to be doing some uh, some regular sessions in game for people to join in and uh, and and sort of quest with us. And I'm hoping you know we have a bunch of ideas for. Um, uh, for what we kind of want to, you know, we're going to start off just kind of, you know, uh, adventuring together, going through some of the quests. I would like to do some sort of, you know, discussions and and kind of tours and examinations of the of the adaptation that they've been doing. I think there's a lot to talk about um, that we can do. So we're going to be doing all of these things, um, sort of moving uh, moving forward. So. And for those for people who haven't started, um, I you know I'm I have a consideration that there are probably folks who gee I'd love to start I have no idea how to do that. Um, I am trying to put together some you know resources, folks who can mentor people, um, uh, you know, to get started to sort of explain stuff. People that have been in the game for a while tend to forget how how confusing it can be in the beginning. Yes, and so yes. we're trying to get that because we're thinking a lot of the folks that would like to come along and be in Middle Earth and, and have, you know, a company, Corey, um, you know, need some help. Uh, one caveat about the questing that we'll be doing, you know, is there's, you have to kind of, you have to be at some level of the game. In other words, you have to be in the game for a bit to be able to go on some of these quests. Even, well, yeah, you know, the ones that we're going to be starting with. But, possible, but yeah, yeah, and, and we, we might mix that up there. Um, yeah, I mean, no, I think we will. And, and you know, but... But and also, if you're fairly low level, you'll always be with folks who are higher level who can protect you, which is a good thing. So um, you know you don't have to wait until you're at whatever level the quest is at to come along. You can come along, and we'll make sure you don't die <laughs> or defeat get defeated. Actually, is what they say. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. No one dies. They're just defeated. Um, they're just defeated. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Robert asks, "Do we have visiting fellowships for people who are based on other servers?" I don't know, Robert, how that works. I don't know how that works either. Actually, we're on Landreval, by the way. If yeah, that's the server that we've set our kinship up on. We're on. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've never really heard of anything like that. Yeah. It'd be yeah. Nice I, if they did, actually. Yeah, I mean, I, I would definitely be interested to 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 find out what the possibilities are there. Um, but yeah, we're my my main character um, is uh, is a fifty second level guardian. Um, uh, and I've been up in Angmar, which is where who is loves where to just take on as many bad guys as possible. Hey, he I, I right love that. That yeah, uh, I'm a, I'm a guardian. I like uh, charging in and defending people. It's pretty awesome. Um, but uh, <clears throat> um, but but yeah yeah. So I think it's it's you know I I also you know we'll probably do some lower level uh, fellowships too for people who are newer and everything. Oh, so it's not yeah. just for. It's not just for old hands in Lotro, but no, anyway. No, no, absolutely not. So yeah, we definitely uh, want to invite people to kind of take part in that. You know, it's sort of a an exploration and conversation that we're just beginning. I've been really enjoying, um, what you know, very much in 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 a very similar way to how I've been enjoying looking, you know, looking and thinking carefully about adaptation of Tolkien's works. You know, as we've been having our conversations in the Riddles in the Dark. Um, I've been really enjoying my time in Lotro for the same reason, sort of looking at the imaginative work that they're doing. Um, and of course it's so much more thorough, you know, and thoroughgoing in its, in its approach. It has to be. Um, and it's just fascinating to see all the things that they've done. So, um, I'll be really interested to, you know, be interested to hang out with people in the game, uh, you know, to, 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 you know, go on some quests with people in the game, talk about stuff that, that'll be, that, that'll be really fun. So we're going to be, Starting to do that, um, you know, officially and regularly in in uh, in in a few weeks. 
Yeah, and I was going to say, if anybody has a question, um, send me an email at lambert at mythgard.com. Yeah. So, you know, if you do have any questions. Mythgard.org, you mean. I mean, I'm sorry, mythgard.org. Hello. Yes, mythgard.org. Lambert at mythgard.org. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Good. Excellent. So that's what's going on right now. Thanks for joining us. I won't prolong an already long episode as Oh, as, wait, wait. As one you. last thing, Corey. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just found a I just found a link on YouTube to a um, a fan made they call it a speculation trailer where they integrated clips from the trailer the teaser and the TV spots in what they believe to be chronological order. <laughs> Good luck with that. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna tweet it at you. Okay. All right. That's interesting. <laughs> That's interesting. Um, I'll be interested to see how that uh, how that holds together. Oh yeah, and Robert is reminding me to uh, to tell people, but we do have a Facebook group, um, Mythgard uh, on Lotro. So um, right. So that's and that's also we're place putting for... together a guildlaunch.com. Kim, where, yes. Kim Wehrmeister is our wonderful backstage manager who's putting that together, but that's still in process. So we'll let you know about that. Yeah, 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 and that's for the that's for the for the Mythgard kinship. So. So very good. Thanks for thanks for joining us, everybody. Um, and uh, we look forward to. We've got lot, we're, we're next for next time, which is of course um, only a week and a half from now. Um, That's right. Well, actually, barely over a week. Um, we're going to be talking about the uh, the soundtrack um, that was released, and we'll look at some TV spots and new stills and stuff. So we'll have we'll have plenty to talk about next time too. But definitely. Definitely. Thanks for listening and Godspeed.